Okay, well, well, uh, you guys who are and girls who are listening to this recording, I'm sorry, I didn't record the first 10, 10 to twelve minutes. Please forgive me, but you didn't miss much. And uh, <laughs> and uh, if I if I don't sing you the uh, the eating the deliverance prayers from eating your dreams for fifteen days, please email me in the morning so I can send them to you as soon as I get to my computer. This is for the people who have to listen to the recording. Now, once again, the Bible has many examples of these types of dreams. God spoke to Amalek, a pagan king, in a dream at night. That's Genesis 20, verse 3-7. Warning him against taking Abraham's wife. God Yahweh spoke to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, in the dream, and God Yahweh used the dream to warn Pharaoh about a famine that was to affect the whole world. The dream enabled Pharaoh, with the help of Joseph, to make an adequate preparation for the famine. That's Genesis 4, 41, verses 1 through 7. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had a dream from God, Yahweh, that's in Daniel 2, about the future kingdoms to come, about the ten kings. Um, the Midianite soldiers had a dream from God, Yahweh, about the coming defeat of his army. This soldier was an ordinary man, not a ruler nor a leader. It shows how God, Yahweh, can speak to ordinary people through dreams, Judges seven thirteen. Pilate, the man who had the responsibility for letting the Jews crucify Yeshua Jesus. His wife was warned by God, Yahweh, in a dream about them harming Yeshua Jesus, Matthew 27, 19. God also spoke to the Magites, who were probably pagan astrologers in a dream, wanting them not to return to Herod, Matthew 2, 12. Now, of course, God, Yahweh, always speaks to committed Christians or God-fearing people by dreams and visions. That's Jacob, Genesis like he did Jacob, Genesis thirty one, ten to thirteen, Joseph, Genesis thirty seven, five to eight, and Daniel in the book of Daniel chapter seven. And Joseph, the husband of Mary, which is Matthew two, and also received insight from God Yahweh through dreams in Numbers twelve six. So now dreams can come from the demonic world. Dreams are visions that we have when sleeping. Lucifer, Satan, Satan and their kingdoms can and does attempt to play the role of God Yahweh. You can see that in Second Corinthians eleven fourteen. Even when we wait, when we are waking in the light of God's word, demonic forces can still attempt to attack us through our dreams. We can also open open up ourselves to demonic deception by walking in sin or disobedience to God's word. That's James three verses thirteen to seventeen. You can also be having a dream from God. And the enemy can come in and pollute it. So part of it is from God and part of it is from the enemy. You say, how can they do that? Because if there's any kind of sin in your life that you don't even know about, any type of spiritual contamination or defilement, the devil can actually come in and mess the dream up to confuse you. See, the message of God is still there, and whatever God is showing you will come to pass. But the enemy can defile it to mess it up, to confuse you, so you can miss what God is trying to show you and tell you. This is why we have to be very careful. We have to repent of any defilement or any spiritual contamination when you wake up in the morning after you canceled your dreams. That's why God had me write that the new book called Spiritual Contamination, which is on um, Amazon and Barnes and & Nobles, and he also had me write the other book about the spiritual tongue. And um, oh, what was the name of that book? 
I'm sorry, yeah, I write, I be writing so much, I can't keep up with my own self. Uh, spirit, the spiritual tongue and spiritual momentum. I actually had a chance to upload that today on Barnes and Nobles. I'm not even gonna bother uploading it on Amazon. It's just too much work to be trying to put them books on both platforms. So that book is just gonna be on Barnes and Nobles. And that teach you about spiritual momentum. And as Christians, we need to know about spiritual momentum. So you guys really need to get that book. I think it's only like it's. I think it's 19.99. I think um, it's 100 something pages. And you really should get that book, Spiritual Contamination. It's, it's about 60-something pages. But you will be shocked at that little book. And um, my new book, The Treasure Grow Prayer Book, it's fiery prayers. They're brand-new prayers. A lot of the prayers y'all never seen from me. These are prayers that um, Brother Daniel had uh, wrote for me back in the day when I first started uh, Periscope. Although I have a book called um, The um, Prophetic Matthew uh, Prayer Book, but this is prayers that uh, when I started out 2016, 2017, a lot of y'all wasn't following me. Um, I'm gonna tell y'all the story real quick, and then I'm gonna get back to the teaching. I was I was in my one of my emails, which is where I I kept a lot of emails from Brother Daniel because he used to transcribe a lot of my shows. That's why I have 140 something books because about 20 of my books he transcribed my show and I turned them into books. You know, my periscopes and some of my radio shows, I turned them into books. So uh, he also had transcribed a lot of prayers. That's how I got the Prophetic Mantle Prayer Book on Amazon. But he had did so many, you know, I couldn't put all of them in the book. So I totally forgot about them. So like two years has basically gone by. And um, I went to my email where I have the folder where all those things are. And I, you know how you go on your spam? You know, I always go on my spam to delete it because it be junk. And then sometimes, you know, a person will send you an email and it can wind up in your spam for some reason. So I always go to spam and check it to make sure I don't have legitimate emails in there. And then, you know, after that, I delete them. So I go in there, and there was only two emails, two emails in there. One was a spam, and then it had um, Brother Daniel's email. And I said, no. And it was dated um, 2017. I forget the date, but it's 2017. I said, why did this get in my spam? I said, this is in my folder. So I said, let me open up and see what it is. So then it was like all these prayers. So I'm looking at my prayer. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, he did this in 2017. He did this in 2016. Oh, my God, how could I forget about that? Wow. And then Daddy was like, there's your Treasure Grove book. I said, Treasure Grove book? He said, yeah, Treasure Grove book. So when I'm looking at it, and I'm like, okay, prayer book. I said, okay, I'm going to call it the Treasure, you know, the Heavenly Treasure Grove book. You know, and, and that's how that book came about. And I filled that book up to 100-something pages, and I still could do another prayer book, but I'm not, not right now. And so that's how that prayer book came. So those are a lot of prayers that a lot of y'all never even heard me say because a lot of you had, wasn't following me in 2016 in the beginning of 2017. So that's why I recommend you get that book as well. Okay. So now back to this. <laughs> so now when we have dreams that put fear and terror into us, we should immediately see the fingerprints of uh, Lucifer, Santana, and Satan. That's Second Timothy verses 1 through 7. Now, um, types of dreams. There are different classes of dreams. Now, forgetful dreams. They dream, but when they wake up from sleep and just cannot remember the dreams, that's called forgetful dreams. Yeah, you didn't know that, did you? It's called forgetful dreams, or you can be called forgetful dreamer. You can
can't dream and wake up don't remember nothing. No, you could dream and remember it as you're dreaming it and wake up and, and, and for a minute and remember it. But when you go back to sleep and wake up in the morning, your mind is blank. Um, the meaningless dreamers, you have meaningless dreamers. Those who dreams seem to be meaningless. Those are definitely trashy, garbage, defilement, contamination dreams from the enemy when they just don't mean nothing. they just stupid dreams. Like I gave an example. Um, you see yourself sitting in a restaurant, right, but you don't, you don't, you don't see yourself eating or nothing. You're just sitting there. Or you just see yourself hanging out with somebody or you in the back of somebody's car. You know, just, just. Just meaningless stuff. Those are definitely contamination and defilement dreams that you really need to cancel. Uh, then you have the vagabond dreamer. The vagabond dreamer. Today they see themselves in Canada, <laughs> and then tomorrow they see themselves in the U.K. They are just roaming all over the place, right? Then you have the reverse dreamers. If they dream that somebody was giving them money, it means that somebody will steal their money. Anything they see, it is the opposite of what will happen. So, excuse me. So when you see, um, <clears throat> excuse me, dreams of people taking money from you, taking anything from you, that means that you are. They are making you a reverse dreamer. You need to cancel those. Then you have the prophetic dreamer. Their dreams are instructions from heaven. I pray that this will be poured. I pray that this will be your lot in Yeshua's name, that you'll start having prophetic dreams in the Lord. <laughs> Excuse me. Then you have the manipulated dreamers. They see their enemy as their friend and their friend as their enemy. <clears throat> that When Satan wants to come against a person in your life or they he wants to split up a relationship, because it has happened to me, he will show you that person, right? as an enemy or as a bad person or even as a witch, and you'll wake up. And if you don't pray and ask God the truth about that dream, you'll think that that's true what you saw and you cut that person off. When God sent that person as a benefactor for you or a blessing or a helper or something, you know, the devil is showing you the opposite, and you're going to believe the devil instead of going to God and praying, and you're going to cut that person off. Because I, in my in my past, I've done that to multiple people, and God would bring them right back to me and show me that they wasn't bad. But then there was a lot that was bad. Now, um, Satan, <clears throat> excuse me, will also, <clears throat> excuse me, y'all take a little water. <clears throat> now, Satan will also show your enemies to be your friend in a dream. And you'll wake up and think they're your friend when they're actually your enemies. That's called the manipulation dreamers. Then you've got the instant manifestation dreamers. Anytime they dream, the thing is already happening. And I could put myself in that category. <laughs> Sometimes, as soon as I say what I saw or heard, oh, my goodness, here it comes. Just like I told you all about uh, um, Syria. I told you all, was it last month? that Syria was going to be back in war again and that Turkey was going to be involved in it. And it's happening. Trump is threatening to destroy Turkey's economy if they don't stop. It's ridiculous. And I told you all that the Lord said the terror, terror attacks were going to perk up again. Look at how many ISIS done got loose over there because the Kurds can't watch them no more. So the terror stuff is going to start up again. And I told you guys said a lot in the Middle East and a little bit over here, and it's coming. And, and and they just setting this. This is this. You know who's doing this? They just stay doing this. They want to keep our country and our world in chaos, so we can't focus on God. 
we, we, you can't focus on nothing because every time you turn around, it's a war. It's some kind of war, some kind of terrorist. They do it on purpose, and war makes money. That's why Turkey doing what they're doing, talking about they want to stomp out the ISIS people. They know what they're doing. If the Kurds can't watch the ISIS prisoners, they blew up an ISIS prison, and a lot of the ISIS people don't escape now with their families. Come on now. Come on now. We, we, it's a distraction. It's to, to, to create more money and, and let these terrorists loose so they can start this crap all over again. It's like a, a never-ending cycle. Um, now, permanent dreamers, whenever they sleep or doze, even in a bus, they would dream. I could put myself in that category, too. <laughs> if they sit on a chair, they, I tell you, I could fall asleep just like that and dream. Just like that. I could be on a bus and doze off. Or uh, being back to taxi, doze off. I'll do don't say I'm doing things. I'm just saying. But uh, I, I, that could happen to me. I could be sitting on a toilet talking to God, and you just flash something past me. So if you have that kind of gifting, then you are a you have you are an instant manifestation dreamer or permanent dreamer. But people who are instant manifestation dreamers and permanent dreamers, Satan will mess with you a lot because he don't want you to remember your dreams. So you would have to stay in warfare more than a normal person would. For real. And you would have to be praying uh, warfare dream deliverance prayers and, and stuff a little more than the average person, and you might have to fast a little more than the average person just so you can keep your, your dreams in remembrance because the dreams don't stop coming. It's just they can blank them out. They can put a black blanket over your spiritual monitor because we have spiritual monitors. Um, they can... In- bring interference into your spiritual monitor. It's like it's like a TV monitor or a computer monitor. They can inject things in it to make it fuzzy and, 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 and make the, the screen go out and go blank, you know. Um, it can intercept through your antenna, which is in the middle of your head. That's why you shouldn't be letting nobody touch the middle of your head or your forehead, you know, because that's where your eyes, your spiritual eyes are, and, uh, and your forehead is where the antenna is, where God um talks to you, communicates you. And that's also where, where Satan sends his arrows and stuff too. So you might want to start praying that God cover your spiritual antenna with the bloody shoe of Jesus, fire the Holy Spirit, and remove any interception or interference of the enemy or any blackening, any black blanket. Um, if they trying to unplug your spiritual monitor, I was like, when God told me that, I was like, what? What do you mean unplug it? <laughs> God was like, they can unplug it. You know, like unplug it at dinner. So you got to pray that, you know, your plug is covered with the blood and fire. Even ask God to put angels around your, you know, your spiritual antenna, you know, around your, your third eye, your fourth eye, because we, we got lots of eyes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Your penile gland, your conscious, your self-conscious, your dream conscious. You know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a teaching one day in the future on dream consciousness. I mean, but I haven't got to it yet, but one day. But you have to ask God to cover your dream conscious, your conscious, your unconscious, and conscious, and forefront conscious mind and brain, brain cells, neutrons, uh, nerves, <laughs> everything, because it, it it can affect your dreams. You they can just wipe your dreams out. They as soon as they come, they take them. As soon as they come, they take them. You also need to pray because God told me they could do this. Somehow or another, they could put still stills in your eyes, sticks in your eyes, uh, broom stills in your eyes. Um, there's demons that purposely can get in your eye gates, 
and be blocking everything that comes to you spiritually. As soon as it comes, their eyes suck it up, and your eyes will never see it. Your, your spiritual eyes will never see it. Your mind will never remember it. So you need to pray against these things and, and be like, Father, I cancel these things with bless you, Jesus. You know, anything the enemy try to put in my eyes still sticks, draws, demon eyes to suck out my dreams, prevent me from seeing them. I cancel the blood show. I put fire around my eyes, put fire around my third, fourth eye, I put fire around every, everything the apostle just said. I put fire all around it, blood Yeshua, and I seal it up with the blood Yeshua. I also seal up my dream rim. Nothing can get in my dream rim unless you let it in, Daddy. And I put angels there to stand by my dream rim with the blood Yeshua. These things you got to pray because many people don't know about these things. Please put your phone on mute. I heard something. Please. A lot of people don't know about these different things that that the enemy can do to affect your dream life, you know, because, I mean, there's people out there probably teaching it, but it's not a lot, you know. And a lot of the stuff I get about dreams, especially the stuff I just told y'all, you know, it, it, it basically comes right from the throne room of the Lord, you know. Um, so now state of your health. When you are sick, bad dreams may come. Yeah, when you're sick and you're not feeling good, you got a cold, you got the flu, or you're stressed, you're depressed, oh, man, Satan will package up some stuff for you. Now, not all of them are significant, you know. Some are epileptic or, you know, some are dreams that can bound you if you're not careful. And a lot of those dreams would have, especially if you have mental health, uh, issues like depression, um, oppression. Uh, if you messing with any mental pills, because you know I used to work in the mental mental field, and the pills would make the people worse. The medicine that's supposed to keep them sane sometimes would make them worse. Those type of pills, like I remember lithium. I don't know if they still make them anymore. Lithium. It was a lot of them. Those kind of pills that's supposed to make you look be better if you bipolar, whatever, will make you dream. Some of the most horrific dreams. This is why a lot of people that got mental illness go insane and go crazy because that medicine sometimes makes them have the most horrific dreams. And it tells you on some of that medicine that it will make you dream. Some of it will tell you that. you got to be careful. And it will tell you it can make you commit suicide. Why? Because the theme is in the medicine. Now, drugs you use can also cause you to dream, like antibiotics, volumes, um, antidepressant, narcotics. Um, if you're smoking weed, snorting coke, uh, you definitely going to have some stuff. If you take any antihypertensive medicine, blood pressure, definitely you will dream. Nightmares. They cause nightmares. Because it's messing with your blood level. Now, your level of purity, if you live a holy life, there are certain dreams you will not be having. But if you live a dirty life, there are some dreams you will be having on a regular basis. Now, I must put in a plug here. You could be very pure but be dealing with demons. Like if you're dealing with sexual perversion demons or you're dealing with um, ancestral demons, you know, whatever kind of demons you're dealing with, right, They can, you can still be as pure as day, clean, white as snow in God's eyes, but... Because there's still an opening somewhere, either through you, through your bloodline, through your spouse, or whatever you're dealing with, they can still make you have these dirty dreams. 
So that doesn't mean that you're not virtuous. See, see, they want you to think you're dirty. They want you to think you're not virtuous. Sometimes these demons will even give you a smell. If you're dealing with sexual demons, sometimes a woman and a man, especially women, can have smells between their, between their legs, but the smell isn't real. But the demon will make you think that that smell is real. Sometimes they give people, uh, especially women, but they do it to men too. If you're dealing with sexual demons, they can give you discharge constantly. You're just discharging all the time, and you're going to the doctor, and the doctor can't tell you why you're discharging. And he's looking in your, you know, your little lady part or your man part, he don't see no discharge there, but yet you, it's there constantly. And then you telling him you got a smell, and he's like, but there's nothing there. It's spiritual. And they want you to think you're dirty and you're stinky because if you feel dirty and stinky, then that's how you're going to be, and that's how God's going to look at you. So these, these, it's a lot of things that these sex demons do to people that people have no idea that they could do to them. And they do that to put you in this mind frame. That's why they feed you the food because they, when they feed you the food, they're giving you sickness. they put putting plugs in you. they put in, they put putting drainage tubes in you. Sometimes you wake up from eight to nine hours sleep and you don't feel like you slept. That's because they don't drain you. Um, you keep asking God to, to give you more life force because you should be asking God, one time to give you life force, and then after that, thank him. Because every day you go outside or you around people, people can draw the life force out of you, which is your energy. And, and like just like now, I'm, I'm teaching this class, or when I come on and preach and stuff like that, that's life force coming out of me. That's energy drawing out of me, not just anointing. So you always ask God to give you that back. And if you're dealing with demons, you need to ask God to give you that back. This is why you're waking up tired, because they're draining you. And you have to ask God to burn the tube out of you, because the only way they can drain you is to have a tube in you. Even if the demons are in you, they have to have some type of tube connected to them and connected to your lifeline, which God talks about in Numbers. And it just drains you. You sleep for 18 hours and you wake up, you're exhausted. You know, you don't want to do anything. And then you're praying every day for strength. Da, da, da. And God is giving it to you, but they drain it out of you. So what you have to do is you be like, God, you know, when you give me this strength, you give me this energy, seal it in me with the blood of Yeshua. And have the Holy Spirit burn out any tubes they use to connect to your lifeline and your life force to drain it out of you and to drain your strength out of you. You have to be logistic when it comes to these Thinking devils. This is why people can't get deliverance because they aren't being taught how to be logistic. You know, being uh, knowing exactly what to say, hitting the mark. Because sometimes I find with God, when we pray, we have to actually hit the mark. We have to actually know what to say to Him for Him to do it. Else He He can't do it. It's a lot of things I'm learning about Daddy that that, that He really need our help. And people, you know, teach us in church that God don't need our help. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. God really needs our help because He gave us our own will. So because of that, he needs us to willfully want to work with him. So sometimes he can't always give us all the answers. He has to lead us to it, lead us down a path or a journey. Or we have to go through sometimes some of the most horrendous things to get to certain answers. It's because he can't do it the way he wanted to do it because your will has, has turned him to, to, to like have to sit there and just wait for you to get there because of the sin that you did. Although you repented, he's forgiving you. It's the path you made from the sin. When you sin, you make a path. You make a journey. 
So when you repent for that sin, the sin is under the blood and it's done, but the journey and the path, is you still got to go down it because it's called testament, right? And it's training and it's maturing you and it's getting you right with God. And if you don't go down these paths, you'll never find out about ancestral curses, bloodline curses, spiritual ties, blood this, blood. You won't find these things out. So sometimes he can't always volunteer information. He got to let you find it. So when you find it, you can teach others how to find it. Now, your foundation on your background. The Lord was just telling me the other day about foundation. Like, I have a song that's going to be coming out in the near future, um, and it's called uh, Because You Care. And in part of the song, I sing, um, the Lord, you're like, a, you're like a rooftop to, how do I say it? No, you're like a rooftop to, okay. I think I said like this, Lord, you're like a rooftop to a house. And that you're always over me. So, like, I was singing it to him today, the song, you know, because I'm practicing it. And sometimes Holy Spirit just hit me, and I just start singing. And I was sitting on the toilet, and I just started singing the song, right? And so he said, yeah, foundation. He said, okay, just like I'm like a roof to you <laughs> that covers you. He's like, I'm like a floor to you as well. I'm like the ground you walk on. And he said, if the ground you walk on had holes and cracks, you would fall through it. If the house you live in, and on your second floor, your first floor, crack, you would fall through it. And I was like, you're absolutely right, Daddy. He says, well, I'm your foundation, too, as well as your roof. <laughs> so he said, if your foundation in the spiritual room has cracks and holes in it, you're going to fall through it, and he can't catch you. But the only way he can catch you is if you allow him to fix your foundation. How are you going to allow him to fix your foundation? You have to have a will for him to do it. And when you repent for your sin, all you're saying to him is forgive me, put it under the blood and forget it. You're not saying to him, Daddy, fix my foundation. You have to actually say to Daddy, Daddy, what's in my foundation? What cracks are there? So I won't fall in my own foundation and can't get up. I was like, wow, Daddy, you just too much for me today, and I'm sitting on the toilet. <laughs> That's what he get me at the most awkward moments. You know, so he made me really understand how he is our ground, how he is our floors, like he is a roof, like he's a roof to a house to us. He shields us from all kinds of stuff, the rain, the storms, the showers, the snow. The, and if you are a child of God, he puts fires and pillars over your roof so the demons, witches and stuff can't just look through your roof. If you're not protected by God, they can see right through your roof. You know, um, he has um, shutters, spiritual shutters around our windows so they can't look in the windows. If you've got glass door, wooden door, he put beams in front of them with the blood so they can't see. If they try, their eyes will burn. So he was explaining this to me on the toilet. I was like, wow. I was like, Daddy, your people really don't even realize this. He was like, my people die from lack of knowledge. Nobody's not teaching them. And and many people out there know a lot of things just like I do and you guys do, but they don't want to teach it. So it is up to us to teach to, so God's people can be free. Now, the level of the word of God in you, when you are loaded with God, Yahweh's word, there are dreams that won't come around you at all. It is a day of tragedy when you are confronted with evil in your dream and you cannot quote any word of God. And I've seen myself many times, and I know a couple of y'all on here that's in my coaching class, tell me about your dreams and a few others. And I've had dreams of many a times where I quoted scriptures in, in the dream. 
and, and there was a few times something was trying to feed me, and I looked at them and I said, how dare you think you can feed me this hogwash? <laughs> and I threw the food. I woke up. I was like, oh, yeah, spirit woman again. Oh, no. You know what I mean? So you, when, that's why you need to really invest yourself and engross yourself in the vastness of the word of God because it will come in handy in your dreams. Now, the kind of environment you are in has a lot to do with your dreams. These are cursed houses. Horned houses or houses with evil foundation. If you stay in such a place, it will always be very terrible dreams. Like I was watching Home Home Builders Channel yesterday, and these people bought this mansion for only two hundred and forty thousand, but by the time they fixed it up and stuff, it was worth a million. And it had gargoyles in it, and the and the, and the husband didn't like them, but the the wife liked them, and she got the kids to like them, so they fixed the house up. Kept the gargoyles. I said, Daddy, they going to have a time of their life with that thing in there because that, those things own that house. And whoever was in that house was demonic. Daddy said, you sure right. <laughs> so if you move into the house, they got all these crazy statues on the outside because a lot of these houses, they put statues by, by fountains and, you know, all kinds of craziness. Um, a lot of these, especially uh, mansions, you know, uh, they've had witches living in them because the demonic people, they, they love mansions. That's all they use is mansions because in mansions you could do a lot, you could hide a lot. So, you know, your house could have been a ritual house. Your, somebody could have been murdered in your house. It could be a spirit in there that's angry because it was murdered in that house, right? Um, it, it, incest could have went on in the house. You could have had a bunch of alcoholics in the house drug dealers, anything, any people could have got raped in the house, all kinds of stuff. And if you don't ask the Messiah and the angels to go to the house or apartment or wherever it is you're going to move in, before you, you're in trouble. Every house I've ever lived in, every place I've ever lived in, I always ask, even when I was in the world, and I ain't know no better, I knew to ask God to go because I'm telling you, People in my family would tell me stuff. You know, you don't go in that house and let, like, like, like my auntie used to tell us, get you some, get you a bag of sugar, get you a bag of flour and a bag of salt, <laughs> and put it in the house. You'll never run out of food. Now I don't do that no more because that's pagan. But and she, she would always say, and call on Jesus to go in there with you. So <laughs> before I move, you know, now I be praying. I send the Lord before me. I send the angels. I ask them to go in there, clean the house out, send anything in there that ain't got no business being in there, anything that's ingredited in the house, anything in the walls, in the wire, in the pipes, in the water, in the tub, <laughs> in the windows, in the ground, in the carpet, in the wall, in the vents. I just tell them clean it out with the fire and the blood of shoe. Because I don't want to move in no house that got something else in it. Somebody wrote me the other day and, and told me that they got something in their house that's following around them. They could feel it following them. I was like, oh, Lord. So this is why you should not move anywhere until you ask God to go and clean it out. Even when you get a business, even if you buy a used car, you need to be praying because you don't know what could have happened in that car. Even if it's a new car, you still need to pray because you don't know what happened as that car was going through the production or who might have sat in it, salespeople, how many of them rode it around because they get to drive those cars. You know what I'm saying? You have to do these things. So. Now, the next one is the level of parental spirituality. If you come from a home where the parents are very prayerful, their prayers have been protective or shielding powers and can affect your dream life positively. So, like, 
I, and I'm sure many of you pray for your children. But many people don't pray for their children's dreams, but we can do that. The Lord told, told me that. The Lord even said that you can repent for your own children, but when you repent for your own children, you take on the rep- responsibility of their sins. Because I used to do that for my children until I taught them how to do it. And then one day God said to me, you know, I was getting attacked so much. And God was like, you get attacked because you're children. You know, he said, you know, they're wayward right now. They're not, they're not living totally right by me. And you're repenting for them. So you're taking on their responsibilities. And he said, if you want to continue to do that, I won't stop you. But you wanted to know why you're being attacked. So I had to stop repenting for my children. And then I had to just emphasize them so hard. Every morning when you get up, repent. Cover yourself with the blood. Cover the car and at night. And they, and they always tell me they do it. They always tell me they do it, and I'd be like, I just now I just pray. I'd be like, God, I pray they do it. I, I was like, God, help them to do it. Help them to remember to do it, because I can't take the responsibility of their sins, because the enemy's gonna attack me. And I was being attacked bad, and I know somebody else who did that for their kids, and the same thing. But you can cancel their dreams for them. And you will not suffer any consequences behind that, because God told me. So you can cancel their dreams, and you can cancel any dreams that they had of you, because the Lord, because my kids have dreams about me, and most of them are good, but a few times they weren't so good. And then I figured it out. I said, wait a minute, this a couple of years ago, I said, God, so the devil... He know if I see it, I'm going to cancel it, but he sent it to my kids. They don't, I said, I got a trick for him. So then I said, Daddy, can I cancel dreams that they have of me? And he told me, yeah. And then he told me you could cancel dreams that they have. So like the past three, four years, I've been canceling their dreams as well. And it's a good thing that, that I do because God be showing me stuff that the devil be having planned for him, you know. And I be like, oh, no. I get up. I start praying. So if you haven't been canceling your children's dreams, you need to learn how to start canceling their dreams as well as yours. You also need to start canceling any dreams that they have uh, about you from the enemy. You also need to start canceling dreams that anybody in your family has about you, even people who ain't right with God. You need to cancel those dreams. Any friends, any associates. Um, I even have to cancel dreams with anybody under the ministry because a lot of y'all have dreams about me. Most of them are good, and some of them are from the enemy. So, you know, you have to, if, if you don't want the enemy to get to you through other people, this is what you have to do. You have to cancel their dreams. You have to cancel any covenant. Like, just how you would cancel your own dreams, you'd have to do this too, you know, because if he can't get you, he will let somebody else have the dream, and he'll get you that way. Oh, he's a darn devil. <laughs> now, your level of anointing, the power of the strong man behind your problem. If there is a very powerful strong man pursuing you, you will see the effects in your dreams. So, um, like those water demons are very strong, strong men and high priests and priestesses and strong women. So if you're dealing with one of them, oh, you, 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 you will dream, you know, especially if you're a prophet or a seer. You will dream, but you will be fighting the whole time you're dealing with these wicked spirits. There will be times where you see, there will be a couple of weeks or a month or two, you barely seeing. There will be a couple of weeks where you just seeing uh, clips, or, or it could be a week or two or three, you wake up and you don't remember nothing. And then you pray and asking God, and he may bring back a little bit to you, or he may not bring anything back because he know that you know to cancel it. But if you're a person that don't know to cancel your dreams, you're in trouble. Because what happens is when you're dealing with a strong man, strong woman, high priest, high priestess, 
their mission is to keep you in bondage at all costs. And the only way they could do that is through dreams, because now you don't learn how to burn down their altars, their dominions, their powers, their thrones. You beheading them and all this craziness, right? You know how to cancel the oracles of the witches and the tree uh, altars and astral altars and cantations, Calchonian pots. You know, you know how to do all of that stuff now. So they know you're smart now. They know you're wise with, with the Holy Spirit. So now the only way that they can keep you in bondage is through your dreams. But if you remember your dreams, they can't keep you in bondage. But if you don't remember your dreams, they can't. But if you don't know how to cancel your dreams, they can keep you in bondage. And even if you know how to cancel your dreams, they still can keep you in bondage because you don't know everything that they could do to you. So the way to diffuse that, you pray a prayer point like, Father, in the name of Yeshua Jesus. Anything that they did in my dream that I can't remember, anything that they've done to me that I don't know that they could even do to me, I canceled it, voided out, I terminated with the bloody Yeshua. If they put rags on me, if they took my crown off and put theirs, they did surgery on my body, my teeth, everything they did to me, Father, that I don't know they could do, that I, that I don't even know they're capable of doing, I terminated with the bloody Yeshua. And I washed myself with the bloody Yeshua. I'm telling you. If you a person that's not dreaming real good, that's because you got a strong man, and that's the only way he's going to keep you or she's going to keep you in bondage. Because they know when you get free, they dead. They done. And see, they don't want to die. See, people don't realize that these stinking filthy demons and hierarchy with spirits, they don't want to die. They want to live. They want to live. They don't want to die. They want to live. They want to be able to take your soul back and go to the next one. So they fighting, they not, they fighting for their own spirit. They're not just fighting to take your spirit. They're fighting for their own spirit because they know if you get free, they're gone. they finish. Name is wiped out of hell like it never existed. Now, worry and anxiety. If, you have, if you're a person who worries a lot, have a lot of anxiety, if you are always worried and anxious or tensed up, your dreams will reflect, reflect this. So if you're a person that's a worry wart, you always anxious about something. You always on edge. All kinds of craziness. You always arguing with your husband, or arguing arguing with your wife. You know what I'm saying? Oh no, what happened? Did I tell y'all? I skipped that. No, I did skip that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so if you're always worrying and stuff, that's going to affect your dream life. You might ne- might not be able to dream because that's an open door for the enemy because worrying and having anxiety is not of the Lord. Um, also, your association, the people you hang with, people you roll with, business partners, TV programs, books you read, etc., will affect your dreams. So if you're messing with somebody that's defiled and dirty and nasty in the spirit realm and they sinners, you know, they defile. They don't want to believe in God. They don't want to hear nothing about God, especially if you're married to a person like that or engaged or dating them. They could definitely jack you up in the spiritual realm as far as not sin. And they can prolong your deliverance. This is why you can't be, I mean, if you're married to somebody that's like that, what can you do? You're married. All you could do is pray. You know, if God tells you to divorce him, you do that. That's all you could do. But if it's like a friend, a fiance, you could always walk away from that. You know what I'm saying? 
You know, um, your kids could cause you to be messed up. You got kids living in the house. They smoking weed. They doing this, doing that. You you don't even know what they're doing. Or you can't control it. They bringing all kinds of spirits in your house. They could irritate your dream life as well. If you read the wrong kind of books, if you watch the wrong kind of TV programs, wrong kind of videos, wrong kind of magazines, you hang it in the wrong kind of places, this can affect your dreams. Your flesh, another thing that has a terrible influence on your dream life is how much of the flesh controls your life. The more your life is under the control of your flesh, the more terrible your dreams are. So if you're straight-up sinner or you're a half-stepping Christian, fake Christian, lukewarm Christian, cold Christian, you know, you're partying, you're drinking, you're smoking, you're fornicating, you're shacking up, you're not married, got a boyfriend, got a girlfriend, sleeping with them, you're going to have nasty dreams. The incubus is going to come and get you almost every night because you got the door open. Living under a cursed covenant. If you are laboring under any curses of evil covenant, your dream life will be troubled and estranged. Your past sexual associations that your boyfriend or girlfriend you left 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago may have an effect on your dream life. Certainly if you slept with an occult person, that will have an effect on your dream life. So if you don't break soul ties and confidence with these people you were once with sexually, Satan can always bring them back. And you wake up, you believe, wait a minute, I broke up with that dude 15 years ago, that girl 20, 20 years ago, and I'm married. Why is he in my dreams? Because God is letting the devil use her to show you you have a soul tie and a covenant you need to break. Now, biblical implications of eating in the dream. When you eat in the dream, it's like eating from the table of Lucifer, Satan, Santana. The first time Satan and them forced feed God's people in the scripture, certain things happen. And these should open our eyes to potential, for, to potentially what they can do and what can happen when you eat in your dreams. When they ate what the servant gave them, the glory of God departed from them and they became naked. Eating in a dream can drain you of your God-given glory. When they, when the people in the Bible, when they ate that food in the garden, the plan, the plan of God for the for their lives was aborted. So when they ate that spiritual food, we all know it wasn't an apple. <laughs> it was fruit. God's word is fruit, right? So when they accepted that foreign God's fruit, which was Lucifer and all of them, right, and they ate it, they aborted. The God give a gift. So when you're in the dream and you eat that kind of food, you abort, you abort, you know what God has for you, and things will change drastically and negatively for you if you don't get up and pretend like you're vomiting it out or coughing it out or cancel it. That's what saves you. But the fact that you know how to get up and vomit it. I see they they are they know that you you are one of these people who are a skilled warrior. You know to get up and pretend like you're vomiting it out. You know you know how to you know cancel it and stuff. But they banking that you forget. See that's what they banking on. See see they Satan in the mission is to wait where where the saints out. It says in the Bible to where the saints out. So if they bombard you so much in your dream life, every morning you wake it up, it, it takes you 30 minutes to cancel this, cancel that, do this, do that, pray for this one, cancel this, you know. And so they bank in, you totally forget about the fact you could have been fed or that you didn't even remember it because they took it from you. So you figure, okay, well, I didn't eat my dreams because I didn't see it. That was a lie. Every day you wake up, you need to be canceling uh, eating in your dreams because that's the main thing they do is take it from you. And they're banking that you don't cancel that. And if you don't, it will jack your life up. 
Within seven days after that dream, you start seeing stuff getting jacked up. Similarly, demonic food can cause satanic rearrangements of your destiny and abort good things that are about to come. Let's say you go on a job interview and you sh- you are you are destined to get that job, or or you or, or, or you about to get married and 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 they and you see them come have sex with you or feed you. The next day, the uh, the future husband died in a car accident or he get crippled or something happened to you. Right? Or you go to that interview and, and they just change their mind. You just knew you had that job in the bag, but you, you, you don't get the job. Somebody else get it. That's because you didn't cancel that evil dream that they fed you. And see, when they feed you food, they feed you uh, animal blood, human blood, animal flesh, human flesh, serums, uh, men's semen, women's vagina juices, um, poop, piss, demon poop and piss, demon sperm. The, the female genitals, all kinds of stuff is in this the saliva. Uh, oh, just rotten food. It could be racks in it. It could be roast. It's unimaginable what could be in that kind of food. And then you eating it. It's, it's not going in your physical body. It's going in your spirit. But if it's in your spirit, it's going to eventually get into your soul. And when it gets into your soul, it's going to get into your body because your soul is in the tiny, your spirit. And your soul is connected to your flesh and your five senses. So that's how it's going to get in you. It's like a tube that funnels through, you know. So if you don't get up and cancel it, you're going to see the replications of it. Now, um, after eating from what was offered by the serpent, Adam and Eve, were evicted from the garden of good health, total security, divine companionship, and all-around comfort. So now when you eat regularly in your dreams, you may lose good health, be exposed to further attacks, and lose divine presence because it's defilement. It's spiritual contamination. Now, understanding the acts of eating in the dream. There are some things you must understand about the act of eating in the dream so that you can be totally, totally free. Why do people eat in dreams? Like, I've explained some to you, but I'm going to explain more. People eat in the dreams when they are physically hungry as well. Acts 10, 13, 14. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, the Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. Peter was physically hungry, and he was con- con- commanded to take some food in his vision. Of course, that is not a demonic food. However, the similar incident begins to happen regularly, you will need to pray very seriously. So now, the same way Peter was hungry in the physical, and, God, and, and he wouldn't eat the food around him because he thought it was unclean. But God had to let you go in his dream and tell him to eat. Your spirit man is hungry. If you're not reading the word on a regular basis, and you're, or, or if you are reading the word every day, but you're not reading it enough, like maybe you only read half a chapter, you know, or maybe you only read one chapter, maybe you should read two, one in the morning, one at night, you know what I'm saying? If you're not feeding your spirit man or spirit woman with the word of God, then your spirit man or spirit woman is starving because that's the only thing that they're going to eat. That's the fruit of God. That's the only thing that they're going to eat and they're going to drink because the Word of God is the food of God, it's the fruit of God, and it's the, the living Word of God. So if you're not eating eating God's food, if you're not vastly in the Word of God, your spirit man is starving. So when you dream at night, you'll be like waking up, why my spirit man, spirit woman was eating? 
Because they hungry. <laughs> you need to read the word more. And even when you read the word more and your spirit man is getting full, they will still try you, but your spirit man will be able to tell them to get to stepping or refuse to eat it. Now, um, if the mind is preoccupied with food or food-related events during the day, Ecclesiastes 5.3, if you keep thinking about something, you will dream about it. If you talk too much, you will say the wrong thing. So if you keep thinking about something, you're going to dream about it. Like it's like a man lusting after a woman. The incubus is going to come in the form of her, and y'all go, y'all know what's going to happen. I don't got to tell you that. <laughs> I don't got to tell you that. Um, if you desire smoking for some reason, you'll start seeing yourself doing that. Um, if you want to get married and you just keep, you know, set t- Telling everybody how desperate you are to get married, you know, or keep seeking prophecies about a husband. The devil's going to package up a sex demon as your husband, and he's going to come in your dream. And do you know that those sex demons can manifest in the physical? Do you know that there are women out there and men who have actually married incubus and succubus that they have manifested in the physical? True, very true, very true. Or they will send you a human being who is loaded with one. Or the incubus or succubus you're dealing with will send you one that they are dealing with. <laughs> that way you can have both of you. I mean, don't underestimate the, the water kingdom. So a lot of times you've got to be careful what you think about on your mind. You know, you're going to see these moves like Christians. Uh, somebody emailed the other, other day, told me, oh, you know, I was going to take my family to see the Joker movie, but because of your vision, I don't think I'm going to go. And I said, God, why would they even go to see the Joker? Why would they take their kids to go see that demonic, gothic, gothic movie anyway? And then these Christians wonder why they can't get no deliverance. You should be watching them kind of no Batman movie. No Transformer movie, no Superman movie, Spider-Man movie. You should be watching those kind of things for Christians. And in these new movies today, a lot of those characters are real demons, real entities. So now people eat in their dreams when their spirit is weak, like I told you, and sleepy. Did you know your spirit can get sleepy? Oh, yeah. Your spirit can get sleepy. You want to know why your spirit gets sleepy? You ain't reading the word. The word is his food. The word is his energy. Just like you need food to survive for your flesh, if you don't eat food after a certain amount of days, you don't get water, you're going to dehydrate and you're going to get weak and you're just going to die. Same thing happens with your spirit man, if, or spirit woman. If you're not feeding the word of God, it's going to get hungry, thirsty, dehydrate, and it's not going to die because the spirit can never die unless God destroys it. But it can go incognito. It can be so dormant. It's like it's dead, like the walking dead. That's all this earth. There's many people that are walking dead. Okay? And then your soul starts taking over everything and, and, and your senses. We actually have, like, seven senses, you know, but the, 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 but, and, and, but we only, you know, if you're not true with God, you only can utilize five. Your six senses, your faith. See, the average person is dealing with five senses. But when they come to God, they get that sixth sense. Remember that movie, Sixth Sense? That little kid was in it. They, when you come to God and, and, and you start developing faith in God, you're developing your sixth sense, right? So when you start developing your sixth sense, which is your faith, then you start to be able to decree a thing or say a thing, and it will come to pass. Maybe right away, maybe quickly, or it may take some time. But your sixth sense is your faith. 
It's the illuminating light of faith. And then you have your seventh sense, but you don't tap into that until you get to a certain level of God. And when you tap into that, that's when you're really in trouble with the devil. You'll be able to see everything. And, and hear God clearly, and anything you tell you, boom, coming. Anything you see, boom, coming. Did the devil, go, and then they're going to be like looking at you like, okay, she done tapped into that seventh sense. All right, we, 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 you are tagged in the devil's kingdom. You are tagged, and he's going to fight you tooth and nail as, as long as God allows him to, to prevent you from seeing his secrets and knowing his secrets. See, see, the devil can fight you in your dreams, but one thing the devil can't do is stop you from hearing God. She can't stop you from hearing God. Praise God. See, because I, I, I know this with God. When the devil, you know, he be messing with me sometimes, trying to mess with my dreams. I'm like, you know, Daddy, I know Satan trying to mess with me because there's certain prophecies God will give me or certain dreams. And I, and I already know when I say these dreams or I say this prophecy, he going to come and try to fight me. I get prepared for him, so I go on my warfare mode. And, it always, and every time I go on my warfare, it works. It works. It totally works. So I already know you're going to come for me because he mad because the stuff that God is telling me, he's like, you know what? Why is he telling her this? <laughs> you know? He is mad. So, so when the devil be messing with me and I wake up and I only can halfway remember something, I'll be like, God, can you just tell me what the other half is? <laughs> and he'll tell me. You know, or sometimes he'll just tell me stuff rather than giving me the dream because he knows the enemy will try and fight me. This is this is something that I constantly go through. Any anybody that's a true prophet out there, they can tell you that. They that no matter how good of a dreamer they are, they have demonic warfare dreams. And you will always have them for the rest of your life, being a prophet or a seer. You will always have them. Because the enemy doesn't like you having them in the first place. But one thing he can't do is stop you from hearing God. If you have the gift to hear God, you will always hear God. The only way he can stop you from hearing God is if you stop reading the Word. Because when you read the Word, you are spending time with God. When you read the Word, you are actually being taught by Yeshua himself and God and the Holy Spirit. Because remember, Yeshua walked the earth, he taught the Word. When you go to heaven, he teaches you in different uh, schools and stuff up in heaven. And the Holy Spirit teaches and guides us too. She's Mother Wisdom. And Father is the wisdom of all. So every time you read the Word, they're sitting right there with you and teaching you. So as long as you're reading the Word, you'll always hear from God. It's when you stop reading the Word, stop lacking in the Word of God, that's when you stop hearing from God. People keep saying, I can't hear from God. You need to read the Word more. Now, when there is a satanic attack, one of the ways demonic initiation and contact starts is with your spirit woman or spirit man. It's by giving you polluted things to consume in the dream. Now, um, when there is a special revelation, um, the book of Revelation, verse, uh, chapter 10, verses 10 to 11, then I, looked, then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and I ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter, and he said to me, You must prophesy again about many people, nations, tongues, and kings. Now, that was a special revelation communicated through that the writer of revelations consumed in a particular vision. Now, it is dangerous trend, however, when you eat regularly in your dreams and you call it revelation. You may be dragging yourself into trouble without knowing it because God don't really give you food in dreams. He, I, 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 all he, many multitude of dreams I've had, 
He's never. I, I mean, I've heard a few people say that God gave him food and drink. So, if he does do it, he doesn't do it that hardly none. So most of the time, you see yourself eating in dreams. You better cancel it. Characteristics of demonic eating in a dream. There is the need to differentiate between ordinary eating in the dream and eating in the dream that is of demonic origin. Because you have two types of eating in the dream. Like I said, if you go to bed hungry, you know, or you you thinking about that favorite pizza and you wasn't able to get that slice, you're going to go to bed thinking about it. So you might see yourself eating that pizza, you know, or that favorite dessert you want to get to, you know, or you could be dieting or trying to lose weight. And, and your favorite foods, you can just smell them, suckers, you know, strawberry cake, whatever, cheesecake, whatever, and you go to bed and you dream about it, that doesn't necessarily mean they're feeding you. It could just be a natural dream, but you should still cancel it to be on the safe side. So now, demonic eating happens frequently. Like every time you go to sleep, man, you're dreaming about eating. You wake up, you cancel. You go right back to bed again, you, you, you're eating a drink, you're eating and drinking again. That's demonicness. Frequency comes with that. So not just once in a while, but though one-time attack through demonic food may be deadly. Now, it's not to say that um, that um, you, like, okay, let me explain this way. Some people may eat, may, may eat, may see themselves eating a dream one time in their lifetime and die from that. Some people may see themselves eating a dream a couple times a month. When the devil's after you real bad, he will bombard you almost every night or at least a couple of nights out of the week, constantly. As soon as you wake up, he's feeding you again because you canceled it. He's coming back again because you canceled it because he, he's trying to wear you out. Demonic eating involves eating something strange. When you find yourself eating things like uh, you see yourself eating raw meat, blood, um, uh, animal that's dead, then you know for sure that there is fire on on the mountain, but they also disguise their food as your favorite foods. Now, according to Isaiah 29, 8, it shall even be as when a hungry man dreameth, and behold, he eateth, but the, but he awaketh, and his soul is empty. Now, normally when you dream and eat, you are not supposed to sense anything in your stomach or mouth. If at any time you now begin to feel or feel or have have strands of meat in your mouth after the dream that something is wrong. So people do wake up with strands of food in their teeth and don't know why. I even had a dream one time because I had taught something on YouTube that the devil was mad. He didn't want me to teach, and it delivered a lot of people. And that night I went to sleep. They tried to put gravel in my mouth, and I was upset. I was like, God, why you let that happen to me? He said, because I want you to know how real it is. I said, I already know how real it is. He said, but did that ever, has that ever happened to you before? I said, I didn't know that they could do that, Daddy. And it left the most disgusting taste in my mouth. I had to drink. I drank so much oil, it wasn't funny. And um, holy water. And within like 10 minutes, it was gone. Daddy took it out, and, and, and that was it. But I didn't know that they could do that. It, it was as if somebody was standing there, and they had opened my mouth and just smashed it. I didn't know they could do that. It felt like they were dead. It didn't feel like a dream. It felt like you were dead. And then I coughed it out, and I literally saw little pellets coming out of my mouth. I mean, if I was not rooted in God, I would have been so doggone scared. I ran outside in my pajamas. I'm telling you. And I did not know that they could do such a thing. And the Lord wanted me to know how real 
and, and how just disgusting and how mad the enemy is with me. And so when that happened to me, that drew me nearer to God. And I went into even more warfare. And, and I thought of new prayers when it came to eating and drinking. <laughs> I did. I go, okay, you want to feed me this crap because you mad at me? Because I want to do the will of God, I'm going to fix you. And then I, then, I, then, I, then I went back onto YouTube again and told you more stuff. Uh, so that's how I'm going to deal with the devil. Now, um, after satanic eating, there will be tightness in your spirit. Your spirit man or spirit woman will not be free. That liberty, you can see 2 Corinthians 3.17 will not be there. Now, you may sense something happening physically in your body immediately after waking up. See, first it um, puts your spirit man in bondage. Then, like I said, it travels to the soul. Then it gets in the five senses, which is connected to your body, and then you can start feeling sick. All of a sudden, sickness will come, and the doctors can't explain why. Or you'll catch this bad cold, or you'll catch the flu, or you feel nauseous for, for, for some reason, or if you're pregnant, you can have a miscarriage. You know, if you, or you're about to have a baby, you can have a stillborn baby, or the baby could be born with diseases. All kinds of stuff can happen. Now, how, stop, how to stop eating in your dream? Um, Father told me specifically that there are groups of people that you can force feed. Group A is babies. If you are a spiritual baby, I mean, if you are a baby to the Lord, then Satan and them can give you food quite easily in your dreams. Group B, those who are sick and weak. Have ever seen? Have you ever seen someone so very, very sick before? It was just pitiful. They can hardly resist anything. If anyone is spiritually sick, he will be spiritually weak and will eat anything, anywhere, without any resistance, meaning your spirit man will eat anything. Then you have the other group, individuals in deep sleep. If a man or a woman is sleeping, it's easy to swallow anything, put it in your mouth. If you are sleeping in the spirit, your laziness and your lukewarmness, you may not be able to stop eating in a dream. In line with the above revelation, therefore, to stop eating the dream, to stop being force-fed by satanic adversity, you must grow up, stay strong, wake up, and fight. Before going, you know, more into this teaching, I want you guys to understand that, you know, I, I would hope all of you on here is born again, because a lot of people say they're born again, but they're really not born again. So I would hope everybody who's on here who's listening to me is born again. Because that's a very essential thing in your life and in your victory. You have to be born again. You have to be on God's side, you know, because and, and he, he can't secure you or divinely support you or help you spiritually unless you are his. So now, there are four very important steps to becoming born again. First of all, you must follow through with these steps. you got to believe in God, exactly who he is, and believe that Yeshua is his son and that Yeshua took his sin and our guilt upon himself and was crucified upon the cross. He was buried in the grave. He resurrected, meaning was reincarnated, on the third day. You must believe and accept the Father and the Ruach. Okay? And um, you must accept that you was once a sinner and that you need to repent and you need to change. And you must understand that you have broken God's Ten Commandments and repent for that. And ask God to help you to uh, do his commandments to the best of your ability. Okay? 
humbly ask God to have mercy on you and grace on you and wholeheartedly repent, admit, and confess all your deeds and sins and errors. And ask God to clean you from defilement, evil, and corruption, wickedness, and destructiveness. And renounce your sinful ways and turn your heart from sin and to the pleasures of God. Now, Psalms 107. Fools become, fools became of their transgressions, and because of their inequities, they are afflicted. Now, if you continue in sin, you cannot escape the rod of wickedness. There's a reason Yeshua, Jesus, called it being born again, and we already know that for reincarnation, but it's also for life transforming. When we are born again, when we give our lives to Christ, and he washes us with the blood, we are spiritually born again. Although we're not reincarnated beings, physically we're reincarnated spirits because you get born again. You come out of that sinful life. You come from out of that bondage of sin that uh, you were born in or you stayed in, and you decide to get washed and clean by the Messiah who shed his blood for you. And once you get washed and clean, God sees you, and every time he sees you, he sees the Messiah. So he sees the resurrection and reincarnation of the Messiah in you. And this is how you get forgiven, and this is how you get born again. So you you live for the things of God, and you avoid the things that kept you from God. Okay? So now, how to stop eating in dreams. You have to grow and be mature in the Lord, just as you cannot foresee the grown-up when you become a spiritual giant. Lucifer has enough sense to steer clear. (laughs) What does it take to grow up and become spiritually mature? Why do some Christians not grow as they should? People understand the concept of growth in the physical development of a human, and we know why it is important. Babies are immature physically and mentally, but we accept them to develop, right? So God has to accept us. When we come back to God, we get right. He has to accept us and allow us to develop. Now, we, a lot of us on here are parents, right? So we all know the ups and downs that we had to go through with our babies. <laughs> and when they became toddlers and preteen and teenagers, they're full-grown adults. So we know all the ups and downs we went through, all the hurts and pains and all kinds of stuff, and that's exactly what God goes through with us. And all the life lessons that they learned from all their mistakes, that's exactly what happens to us, you know. Sometimes our children got attacked, they got bullied, they got beaten up, they got punished. These are the things that we have to go through when we go with God. And then they grow up and they become adults and they come back and they thank you for all the things they hated hated you for, they come back and thank you for it because it made them who they are today. That's the same thing with God. We hate what he's making us go through. We can't stand it. We can't stand the devil. We hate him. We hate the demons. But when we come through it and we see the what we become after that, we thank God. And even as we're going through it, we begin to thank God because we see where we're going. It's the same thing as being a baby. Spiritual growth is the same thing. Spiritual growth is a similar concept, but is far more important. Growth is development or improvement toward a goal called maturity, or in the Bible, it's called perfection. When one is born again as a child of God, Yahweh, he is spiritually immature. As time passes, he should develop the qualities or abilities which the Bible says characterize the matureness. Now, in Ephesians 2 or 3, it says they start on the milk and then they have to get on the meat. 
like a baby. Baby can't eat meat. They got to drink milk. They don't have no teeth yet. <laughs> and even when they get teeth, their, their alignments in their stomach has to grow to be able to handle the meat, and their teeth have to learn how to feel when bones or something is in it so they can spit it out. That's why God uses that analogy in Ephesians 2 or Ephesians 3, or is it Ephesians 1, right? So many scriptures describe the needs to grow and mature spiritually. Ephesians 4, verses 14, 15, be no longer children but grow up in Christ. 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua Jesus. Thessalonians 1.3, the Thessalonians grew exceedingly in faith. Philippians 1.9, Paul prayed for their love to abound more and more. Many problems result when members fail to grow. Some go back to the world, others cause strife because of ignorance, jealousy, or become stumbling blocks because of irregular attendance, worldliness, or indifferences. The purpose... You know, of me teaching you, you, you Christians, this is so that you could spiritually grow. Just as the baby needs to do certain things to grow physically, so does Christians, Elohim children, need certain kinds of activities to grow spiritually. So now when a member doesn't grow, when a member of the body of Christ doesn't grow, it is because they lack one or more of these things, a desire to grow. Many people don't want to grow, and I find this a lot. Like when I'm teaching truth, I get attacked by people. And the Lord will tell me they don't want to grow. They don't want to hear the truth. They are comfortable in their sin. They're comfortable in their deception. They're comfortable in their lie. And they're afraid that if they believe the truth, it's going to change their entire life. Children are like that. When you have a baby, they grow, you know, grow up a little teenagers, whatever, they can't stand change, especially if it's not benefiting them. They can't stand it. Your daughter, 15 years old, in love with Mikey, you know, and Mikey ain't no good. Mikey is a gangster. But your sister, your daughter Laura is so in love with Mikey, she can't see straight, right? She don't want to come out of that environment. And you're teaching her the truth, but she don't want to come out of it. Therefore, she doesn't want to grow. So if she comes out of leaving Mikey the gangster alone, she'll grow from that. But because she doesn't want to come out of it, she doesn't want to grow. She has no desire to grow. So there's a lot of children of God that have no desire to grow. So what they do is they will attack you. The one that's coming with the seeds, the plant in them, so that it can mature through Yeshua, they will attack you because you are a reminder of the growth that they need, but they don't want. They reject it. So you are the reminder of it. So what they're going to do to get you out the way, they're going to attack you, attack your character, mock you, try to get other people to believe in the lie that they're trying to deceive upon you so that you won't grow because misery loves company. So this is why many people in the body of Christ like me get attacked constantly because they don't want to grow and they don't want nobody else to grow with them and they don't even know that that's Satan in them doing it to them. So now, we will never grow unless we want to grow. In the physical realm, children want to grow. Children who are truly of the most high like I and hopefully many of you, we want to grow. All of you who pay for this class, obviously you want to grow. All of you who pay for this class obviously has problems with eating a dream, or if you don't, you want to know so you can teach others, or you're in the ministry and you want to know so you can teach others because you're dealing with people who go through this. You're all here for a reason. You know what I'm saying? And many others wanted to be here, but, you know, they didn't have the money or whatever the case is, you know, all kinds of reasons. You know, so now I want I want to grow up. You know, mo- most of us. I even said this until I learned. 
Most of us say we want to grow up to be like our mom or our dad. Some people who said they want to grow up and be like some of these basketball players and singers. Wrong. <laughs> oh, and I used to say this all the time. I can't wait till I turn 18. <laughs> I'll leave this house. <laughs> oh, I can't wait till I turn 16 so I can drive. We all said these things. Parents and kids become so excited when children learn something new. The first step, first word, draw pictures, etc. Everyone wants them to develop new abilities. Parents sometimes use this to encourage their children. That's what God is. God loves it when we grow. Although it hurts him more than it hurts us for the things that we have to go through. Especially the things you have to see. Demons trying to rape you. Demons trying to assault you. Demons trying to kill you. Demons trying to throw you all over the place. All kinds of nastiness you see you have to go through on a daily basis. Smelling you when you were stinky in the spiritual realm. But when he sees you get clint up and these things seem to cease or start to, you know, solidify themselves and eventually go away and the real you comes out, he's happy. When he sees you doing new things in his harvest, in his field, in his kingdom, for him he's happy. When you get up every morning, he's waiting for you to come and read that word. He's waiting for you to come and say, good morning, Daddy, good morning, Yeshua, good morning, Mommy Ruth. They're waiting. He's waiting to sit there and sit with you and eat with you and teach you with that word. When you have dinner, he's waiting for you to go to eat so he can watch you eat. When you're with your husband in your intimate times or your wife in intimate times, he's watching you because he loves us to multiply. When you're giving birth, he's so enjoying, he's crying more than you because another life is coming in to help bring life back. And I can go on and on with the happiness of God when it comes to us. When we're getting along and we're souping and we're happy and we're praying together, he loves it. But when we're fighting and we're mocking each other and we're being jealous of each other, trying to tear each other down, trying to take others from each other, he can't stand that. And it saddens him and it grieves him and it tears him. It gives him unrest in his spirit and it angers him because now he knows he has to judge us through our own conscience and it ain't going to be pretty. He don't want us to go through pain. But well, we have to, because look at the stuff we do. Now, in First Peter 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 2, desire the pure milk of the world that you may grow thereby. Some seem to like being spiritual babies. Oh, being in the ministry, I can tell you that. That's exactly why I'm telling you this. People love being spiritual babies. I mean, people want you to do everything for them. They don't want to read. They don't want to buy a book to read. <laughs> they want you to sit there and just teach them. Or sit there and write them a book in Facebook. Not happening. Not happening. You got to do the work. I, I tell people all the time, and I don't care if they don't like it. I had to do a lot of work to get where I am today. You're going to have to do a lot of work to get where you want to be, too. I am just one of the people on your journey to help you. That's it. I'm not here to spoon feed you. Put you in my breast and let you suck off of it. I'm not here for that. I'm here to guide you and help you to make your journey easier. But some people not like that. They want you to just walk and hold the hand through the whole journey. I can't do that. It's easy to be a baby, no responsibility. Others feed you, clothe you, change your diapers. In the church, you don't have to teach rebukes in or do work. It's a free ride. 
But being a baby is not the goal of life. We are born babies so we can grow up, people, and be productive and useful in life and for God. Likewise, we are born again so we can become mature, Elohim children, actively serving God, Father, Yahweh, the rock and Yeshua. One of the conditions for becoming a child of Yahweh is to repent, have repentance. One must determine to turn from sin and go to work in God's vineyards and fields and harvests. Then one must bring forth the fruits of repentance and confession wholeheartedly. This will lead you to grow and improve in God Father's work. Otherwise, you have, no, you have not accomplished your purpose for becoming a child of the Most High. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Jesus Yeshua set an example for us. We should follow his steps. We should ask ourselves, don't I want to grow up and be spiritually strong like our Messiah? He said we would do greater things than him. So by him saying we would do greater things than him, he was telling us we were going to be stronger than he was on the earth. We must maintain the desire to grow. Some, by, some members in the body of Christ who once wanted to grow may lose that desire. Some people lose the desire to grow. Why? This is the purpose of the attacks from the enemy. He, purpose, he attacks us for all kinds of reasons. But he also attacks you to make you lose your stigma, your tenacity, and your faith in God. He attacks you so bad. And God allows it because just like when the millennium happens, right, the devil going to be loose for a season. Why would God lose the devil for a season in the millennium? Because that tells us even in the millennium you still going to have people that ain't satisfied, that still going to be devils. So before it's all said and done, Daddy's weaning out everybody. Everybody. So some people lose the desire to grow from being bombarded with attacks from the enemy. Or if their husband or wife is threatening to lead them because they found God and the husband or wife don't want God. Or the kids is acting up. Or your boss is giving you problems on the job and that's your bread and butter. And you feel if you lose that job, you don't trust God enough to give you another one or to keep you or feed you. Do you know there's so many people following me right now? A lot of them, a lot of people have gotten jobs. A lot of people who is homeless have places to live. But there are some that's been following me for three, four, five years, ain't had a job yet. And I keep praying for them. And they keep telling me, Apostle, I don't know how God keeps keeping me going, but he's keeping a roof over my head for my... Because it's not just based on my prayer. You pray. You're doing right by God. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You listen to the servant of the Most High, and you're doing what you're supposed to do. You know, take heed. My first three, three and a half years of ministry was the, was the, was the hardest thing in my life. I, I mean, the hardest. And I depended on him. And he made sure I stand, had a roof over my head, everything. And then he made it eventually where I could start helping my children and other people little by little. So these things come with the zeal and faith of God. So many people lose the desire to want to grow in God because the enemy bombards them so much and attacks them so much, and they get so tired of waiting on God. They get so tired of waiting on promises and prophecies. And God allows the enemy to do this because he's weaning you out. He's weaning you out. He's also using it to grow you, to mature you. But he's also weaning you out. He wants to see if you're going to last. Because if you can last through all of the tumultuous things that the enemy can do to you, if you can last through not having any income but God is taking care of you, if you can stand your 
terrible husbands and wives who put you through so much because you came to God. You can stand your wretched children because you came to God, your wretched friends and bosses. And if you could give them all up and sacrifice them for him or, 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 or make a way to get around them and live with them, God will reward you in the end. He will turn that spouse over to, to himself if that spouse desires. Or he'll remove that spouse and give you another one. He'll remove you from that job and give you a better boss. He'll straighten up your children or he'll put them in situations where they have no choice. Or sometimes he will let the devil have the children if the children are thorns in your side. I'm just keeping it real with you. Other people um, uh, that loses their zeal in God, they develop a spirit of indifference or, ne- uh, or they start to neglect God. When when people start to lose the zeal in God, it's because they're being attacked so bad. See, as long as the person's not being attacked, everything's hunky-gory, everything's happy, everything's good, you know, marriage's good, you know, whatever's good, they have so much zeal. But the moment things start getting bad and you got to start fighting that old stinker devil, you got to start doing that warfare, and it's years, months, weeks gone by, you're like, God, come on, when you going to do something? You're blessing me in this area, but what about this area? You, 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 you come so fast in this area, but this area done been lasting for seven years. What's going on? He don't answer you, or he'll, he'll give you something to repent for. He'll show you a dream, and you think you're going to get deliverance, and then boom, the attack it worse. You're like, but God, you know, and then people start losing zeal instead of saying to themselves, this is something that I have to bear. This is my cross I have to bear. This is what I have to go through. God did not bring me this far to lead me. He did not bring me this far to let me die. Because if God wanted you to die, he didn't let Satan and them demons take you the moment, the moment they came in you. You wouldn't even have had a chance to repent, to get deliverance of them in the first place. He didn't let them take you the moment they came to possess you. So that's how you know you're going to live, and that's how you know eventually the demon's going to come out. I don't care how powerful it is. I don't care what kind of hierarchy demon you're dealing with. It's going to come out. God is not going to let you live your destiny with a demon the rest of your life. He's not going to let you die with a demon if you're doing everything you're supposed to do when it comes to him. He's using that wretched spirit to develop and mature you. Although that spirit is cunning and every doggone day uh, uh, figuring out how to attack you and kill you or get you to do this or get you to do that, get you to sin so it can take your soul, it, it can't, no matter what it does. It, it can do whatever it wants. It, it can't stop you if you have a zeal for God. So this is why they attack people so bad. So you can use your zeal because if you lose your zeal, you start to get indifference. You start to do, go back to your old habits. You start to neglect God. You start to neglect the word, and then here they come. And like the Bible says in Matthews, if they come a second time, like that happened to me, you barely make it out. Some of y'all who dealing, um, I mean, I don't know who on here who could be dealing with it, but, I mean, some people under the ministry who dealing with, like, the incubus, succubus demons or uh, other kind of demons, this is your second time dealing with them. You don't even remember the first time you got deliverance from them. And this is why it's been 10, 20 years or five years, and you ain't got delivered yet because you are on your second stage with them. And the Bible says it's harder to get them out the second time, and you bless if you make it. 
So a lot of you who dealing with wicked spirits for years is because you're on your second time dealing with them. God delivered you once from them, and you went back to your vomit. And this is why it's so hard for you to get rid of them. That happened to me. I got delivered from a, a lot of ancestral stuff. And then I opened the door back up, and they came back, and they came back hard, and they weren't playing, and they was trying to take me. Because God told me this. God said the reason why people have been dealing with spirits for years is because they're on their second time. Many of them don't even realize I delivered them the first time, and they went back to their vomit. I was like, wow. Now, others develop a level of maturity and stagnant. They are satisfied thinking no more growth is needed. So you have many saints, they don't want to learn anything else. They want to stick with what they know. Like when I teach about reincarnation, I teach Mother Rue is uh, is the wife of the father. I give you proof. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to know that. They want to think she's a ghost or a he. <laughs> don't hear that. They want to think when they die, they're going straight to heaven. No, no, let me tell you. Many people who die, die in the Lord or they die on their deathbed and they make it, they may skip past the spiritual valley of fire, but they don't go directly to heaven. They go to other parts of heaven where they're retrained, reconditioned. They go over the covenant again with Yah. You know, they wait their turn to come back. God even told me that um, he was telling me we were talking about untimely death. And then I said to God, I said, well, God, if there's, if there's untimely death, then there's untimely birth. And he said, ah, you have awoken. He said that to me. I said, yeah. I said, I said, okay, Daddy, I'm going to give you an example. I said that there is a spirit in the spirit realm that's waiting to come back because most spirits um, have families they're allotted to. So somebody in your family died had to go to spiritual fire, or they might have had to go to some of the training places in heaven and renegotiate a covenant with God and come back, right? They have to wait their turn. So let's say your sister Doris was meant to have a baby in three years. So in three years, that spirit that was once in his family will come back, right? But let's say Marabella go out there and fornicate, that spirit that was supposed to come back in three years will come back right then and there because that spirit is next in line. So that's untimely birth. So when an untimely birth happens, it throws everything off. It throws off the seeds that that spirit was supposed to have. It throws off the destiny. It throws off the alignment of the family. It throws off of the, the ancestral lineage and everything. And I said this to God, I, and, and, and then the Lord said, you're absolutely right. I was like, wow, Daddy, that's some serious stuff right there Mama just gave me. Mm, I was like, thank you, Mama Wisdom. I was like, thank you. I know God was like, this girl, <laughs> she did. I know he was like, she thinks she gave herself this, huh? I didn't, I said, I didn't say I gave it. I was, I was thinking Mama real. <laughs> you know, and so then I turned around and started laughing. I was laughing with Daddy, and I was like, Daddy, I'm acting like I gave this to myself. But I was like, no, I didn't give this to myself. Mama Rue gave it to me. You started it, and then Mama Rue ended it. <laughs> and then I was just hunky-dory after that. And I was like, wow, untimely death. It, I mean, untimely birth. It just came to me. And so then the Lord was like, I want you to teach my people. Next time you go back on one of your platforms. So I'm teaching you guys. So when I go back on YouTube or whatever, and the Holy Spirit brings it to me, I will teach it. So. In your family when spirits die, there are certain times they're allowed to come back. But if somebody in your family fornicates, 
the baby's coming back sooner. And it could throw the whole alignment off of the family, the destiny of the person, the seat that comes from the person, everything. So this is how a lot of generational curses come in as well. I was like, wow, that devil, man, he's too smart. I ain't trying to give him credit, but I'm keeping it real. He's too smart. Too smart. That's why you get people to fornicate. Because, see, no way they fornicate. Whatever spirit that was allowed to come a year or two later is going to come now because it's the next in line. And then the one behind that spirit, let's say Doris did get married uh, and, and then she decided to get pregnant, then here comes that one, and that could be an untimely birth as well. Mm-hmm. This is why if you watch these African Christian movies, I mean, it happens a lot over here in America, but you don't see it in the movies like you do in the African Christian movies. A lot of women get married in their barren, right? And in Africa, man, any, anybody from Africa will tell you, they will, oh, man, them parents over there will pressure you in a minute. Be married 10 months and you ain't pregnant yet. They sending you to a doctor or a juju person, right? <laughs> and they Christians. And they sitting up there talking about, okay, I, will, I know it's in God's promise, but, but I want you to go here and do, 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 do that, right? And then they go to all these different places like in the movies and the woman never get pregnant. Or if she get pregnant, the baby dies or she miscarriages, right? And then they finally give up and then they finally dedicate their entire life to God and the little time goes by, boom, they pregnant. Pregnant. What happens is they then delay the destiny of the child that was supposed to come in the first place. So they throw off the destiny of the child. They throw off the destiny of the ancestral lineage. I'm like, whoa, God, this is just too much. This is amazing. <laughs> and then when they go to the juju person, witch doctor, and they get pregnant, it's a demon they, they're, they're birthing. And so then every baby after that is going to be a demon birth as well. Or sometimes the womb will close right back up. So, I mean, so a lot of people have untimely births. So now, um, nourishment. We need spiritual food from God's word. A child cannot grow physically without proper food, right? So we as children of the Most High cannot grow spiritually without spiritual food. Good parents are concerned about proper nutrition in their children. They want their children to eat what is good, not bad. We are touched by pictures of children starving due to poverty and impoverishment and, and Famine and starving. Most children want nourishment. Babies cry for food. Once as a child, once they go hungry, they cry. And the mother feels really bad because she can't feed them. And if she had food, she would starve herself to feed her children. So even adults know we need food and don't like to go long without it. We want it every day, regularly, sometimes several times in a day. Likewise, spiritually, we cannot grow without feeding on God's word. When God sees you're not feeding on his word, right? When God sees your spirit is hungry. See, you don't notice, but your spirit is talking to God. Your spirit is like, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. That is making Daddy, Mama Rue, and Yeshua cry because your spirit is starving. Your spirit is hungry. If you're not feeding off his word, and you're not getting any living water because in order to get the living water, it's through the word. So your spirit is like, Daddy, Papa, Papa, Daddy, I thirsty, help me. And he's trying, but that flesh is just too predominant. So he's crying because you're dying, your spirit's dying, and he knows you're going to die, and you got to go to that spiritual fire, and you got to come back, and he wants you home with him, or he want to send you to a, a good planet where the devil ain't at, you know? And he's crying. 
Same way a parent would cry when a child is starving. That is exactly how our parents and our Messiah, which is our husband, man, does in the spirit room for us. This is why the devil tries to teach that God's word is a fairy tale. This is why there's over 500 different versions of the Bible out there. This is why they're spiritually from the air of communications, which he is over the devil, taking words out of the Bible. Because he knows it's our food. One day, we ain't going to have no Bibles. They're going to take them. And th- first what they're going to do is digitally take them off. Because what's happening is if you go to church, last time I was in church, anywhere I look, ain't nobody had, hardly had no Bible. Not even the pastor had a Bible. You know what he had? He had an iPad. He preached preach from an iPad. Wasn't a Bible up there with him. It was an iPad. Everybody just about the church. I had a Bible. I looked outdated. I did. I said, Daddy. They making me look outdated, but they just don't know. I am the one that's up to par. Because <laughs> I got the word in my lap, okay? They got it on the laptops, on the iPads, on the phone. One day the devil, because the Lord told me the devil going to wipe them Bibles out digitally, and people going to be in trouble. There are some people don't even, some Christians don't even have a Bible in their house. They got it in their phone. Got it in their phone. You look at some of these famous pastors, you don't even see them with the Bible no more. They got an Apple, iPad, HP, whatever. you going to always see me with a Bible. I ain't going to lie. You might see me with my, my iPad. You might see me with my laptop. But you're definitely going to see a Bible right next to it. Definitely going to see a Bible right next to it. You know? And one day the devil going to wipe out all of these Bibles and people going to be hit. Some people only got one Bible in their house. I think I got like eight, eight nine Bibles in this house. I'm going to get some more. <laughs> the more the better. Some people got one Bible in the house. And when I get, t- and I, and when I get finished with one Bible and they get worn and, and they get tired out, you know, for me, I, I give it away. And then I replace it. You should have as many Bibles in your house as possible, even if you ain't reading it. Order them, keep, let them stay in the box so they don't get messed up. Because one day people are going to be starving for the Word. It's in the Bible. Now, Second Peter three eighteen, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Yeshua. Matthew four four, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. So God tells us, man shall not live by bread alone. Bread is a physical, tangible thing. Although God's word is bread. At this point in Matthew 4, 4, when God says man shall not live by bread, he was talking about physical bread that our physical fleshy body needs. Then he turns around and says by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God, that is what we will live by. That's his word in the Bible, although it's been tampered with. He's telling you in Matthew 4, 4, look, yeah, I know, I know you can survive by bread, but no, you can't truly live without the word. Bread is just for your substance on your temporal life. The word of God is for your spiritual, eternal life. He's telling you right there in Matthew 4, 4. Ephesians 4, verses 15, and Matthew 5, 6 says the same thing. Now, to get this nourishment, we must study the Bible in the 10 you know, if you can find you a good church, because that that's slim pickers, you know, at this present stage of life. But if you can find you a good church or a Bible study group or people who have church in their house or Bible study in their house, or um, if you find ministries like mine's online, uh, radio, um, where else can you find them at? Blogs, people got ministry blogs. You know, wherever you can find church, you know, it doesn't always have to be a building, you know, because 
the, the buildings are the ones that's the most jacked up, you know. And without the souls, it's not it's not a church. And without the angels and the Holy Spirit in it, it's an apostate church. And I gave y'all a word last year that the apostate church was going to rise, and it's happening. So you have to find a place of spiritually inclined, spiritually inclined of the Lord, and you could grow with the, with the other children of God. But if you can't find a place, that you can always go online and you pray and ask God, lead me to the right ministry on YouTube or Periscope or Facebook or the iHeart shows or radio shows or or here or there or God help me find a church in my area or a Bible study group or or, or church. You know, a lot of churches are having. Um, churches and hotels now. I know this guy, he's going to have a church on the go. He ha- he having one this Sunday in Marietta, but that's too far. I don't want to go to Marietta. That's too far from me. Uh, that's hours from me, so I don't want to go there. But when he goes somewhere near me, I'm going to check him out, you know, because God said he's a true apostle. So, you know, people are starting to pop up churches in the in in the hotels, you know, and if I had more helpers, I would do a church in a hotel. But I don't have those kind of helpers. You just can't do those things by yourself. You need a, you need other helpers. So, you know, God already told me when I go back home he's going to get in my church, and I'm going back home sometime next year before the summer's out next year. So he already told me he's going to get me a building, so I'm good. I don't know if it's going to be a storefront or actual building or if it's going to be a hotel suite or whatever, but he told me he's going to give it to me, so I can wait. Because some lady the other day, she was like, I can hook you up with a storefront. You need to be preaching. You know, she, she heard me preaching. She was like, I can, hook you, I can hook you up with a storefront. She, you know, she got a little money. And she was like, I can hook you up with a storefront. And I was like, well, why would I do that? Didn't I just tell you I'm going home next year? It doesn't make any sense for me to open up a storefront church down here in Georgia, and I'm going home, getting the people used to me, and I'm going home. That ain't right. And she was like, well, yeah, I guess you got a point there. <laughs> so then she was like, well, I'll just drive people to, to your sites, you know. I'll just drive them to your sites. I was like, I appreciate that. But she was willing to help me get a storefront, willing to help me to get a storefront. But it didn't make no sense for me to get one, and I'm leaving. So now, um, scriptures show the need for regular nourishment. Hebrews 5 uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 to 14. Christians were rebuked for not growing as they should have because they had not studied. Time and time again, members fell away, fell, fell away and they were spiritual magnets. Um, I can't say my own word. <laughs> Wait, let me do what I have up there. Oh, magnets, <laughs> because they did not eat properly. They were like spiritual magnets to the enemy because they did not eat properly. Now, Acts 17, 11, uh, <clears throat> Berians were able to determine whether truth was taught because they searched the scriptures daily. We need regular nourishment. Psalms 1, verses 1 to 2. Meditate on God's word day and night. Children and adults need physical food regularly and get up very upset without it. But are we content to go for days at a time without feeding on God's word? I talk to Christians all the time, and they will sit right up there and tell me they've been a Christian for X amount of time and go to church, but don't read the Bible. I say, how are you going to go to church and call yourself a Christian? You need to feed the word of God. I say, you know what's filling you up right now? And they say, well, I said Satan and demon. And just be quiet. I said, I I I how do you expect God filling you up? You ain't reading the word. You're not eating. Oh, I, 
I ain't never looked at it like that. You know, pastor, they don't, they don't say nothing. They just be preaching the word. <laughs> I say a lot of these pastors don't give a cahoot about your spiritual life. They All they care about your money. Lots of them are satanic anyway. There's maybe 25% of them in the world that care about you. Some of them tell me they don't even repent. I was like, you don't repent? I said, what the Bible say in the book of Matthew and John? You got to die to yourself every day. And they can't say nothing. I said, you know, you could die at any moment, at any time, and you wind up in the spiritual fire because you're dying with unrepentant sins. I said, the devil probably tear you up in your dream life if you're even remembering it. I met this girl. She was a, uh, one of the Lyft drivers. And she was telling me, you know, because every time I get in them, God be having me preach these people. I tell you, every time I get in one of these days, he be having me preach these people. <laughs> and it be working. He be having me prophesizing. These people's lives be changed by the time I get out of the, the lift, right? So I was in the lift a couple of weeks ago. And I don't know, she just felt led to talk to me. And, you know, we was just talking about God. And she was like, you know, can I, can I just tell you something? I'm like, sure, go ahead. I don't defrost unless it's necessary. <laughs> and so then she started talking to me, and she was like, you know, she 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 was struggling, starving, da 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 da, right? And now, mind you, when I got in the car, I already knew that God wanted me to do something special for this woman, but I just didn't know what it was. So, you know, I get in the, and every time I get in the car, I'm always happy, happy, bubbly. I always tell him, God bless you. You know, I make them feel comfortable and warm with me. So if there's anything that God wants me to do for them, they'll be able to, to open up to me. So she opened up to me, and she was like, she's starving. You know, she's struggling, da 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 da, da right? So then I instantly knew what God wanted me to do, right? So, you know, she dropped me off to my, my point of origin, and she helped me with the stuff I had. And then um, I said to her, I said, I got to tell you something, and I usually don't tell people what I do, but the Lord's leading me to say this. I said, I got to tell you something, and she was like, what? I was like, the Lord told me to tell you that after today, you won't be starving anymore. And she was like, praise God, you know, she started dancing and stuff, right? And then, so as she's dancing, she didn't see me. I was going in my purse, I went in my wallet, I gave her some money. So I said, I said, I said, here you go. And and she was like, what's this? I said, here you go. I said, Daddy told me to give it to you. She said, Daddy told you to give me this. So she opened her hand. She looked at it. She started crying. And she grabbed me. And she's crying. I was like, oh, man. She's like getting tears all over my top now, man. <laughs> but I had to let her cry. And she, and she was holding me so tight. I was like, oh, gosh, I can't breathe. Right? And so I'm like trying to, like, coach her off of me. But she didn't want to let me go. I was like, I can't breathe. So then she was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, right? So then she just was crying, and she was just thanking God, and she was like, you just don't know how this helped me. And so I said, come here, give me your hand. I'm not finished. So I grabbed her hand, and I prayed this special prayer over her so that she'll never run out again. Oh, she started booing again, crying again, and then, and then, and then, and then the Lord said, give her a book. So I gave her a book. Then she really started boohooing, right? <laughs> and changed her life completely. She was never the same again after God got finished with her. And I ne- I haven't seen her again. Sometimes he lets me run into some people who use me to help, and they, and they thank me, and they tell me how much better their life is and stuff like that. But I haven't seen her again. But I do know one thing. 
that her life will never be the same again. So by you reading the Word of God and standing the Word of God and becoming mature in God, he can use you to do these things for people. He can use you to say the type of prayers. You could just, just think of them in your head because of the Word that's in you and give it to them, and you'll be, you'll be like a walking blessing. Anybody you touch, anybody you give money to, anybody you pray for, God will change their life. You will open your mouth and speak a thing, speak a word, and it will come to pass. So this is why you need to meditate on the Word of God. Now, um, meditate on God's Word day and night. All these things I'm teaching you is going to help you stop you from eating dreams. Meditate on the Word of God day and night, like I said, right? Like, like you need food to eat, you need the Word of God to eat, right? Now, make use of the opportunity of any church that you can get to or any ministry that you can watch and associate with, right? And never cease to amaze, you know, be amazed by what God could do. And another thing, if you don't, if you're not a sower or a tither, that could cause you to eat in your dreams as well. See, anything that you don't do that's a sin or that goes against God or His Word, the enemy could cause. Many people don't sow or tithe. You know, I hear people all the time. They like Apostle, I want to sow to you, but but I don't never have any money. And you know, and I'd be wanting to say to them, you know what? I'm sure you have a dollar every week. I ain't sweating for the money, but I'm trying to help you. But I don't say anything. I don't say anything to them because I, I, I even told the Lord, I was like, God, if they can actually come to me and say to me, they for me to pray for them to have money to sow to me, you know, I mean, what's the purpose of me praying to you for them to have money to sow to me? I should be praying to you for them to have money for themselves. <laughs> But a dollar, I've had people give me dollar fifty cent. Don't matter, you know. And I'll be looking at them like you don't even have a dollar to give to this ministry or to any ministry. And then I, I, I tell them, you know, as long as you have that that frame of mind where you keep telling people like me, you want to sow, but you don't have it, you're never going to be able to sow. You're never going to have it. You only have to trust God. And let go of a dollar, two dollars, five dollars. You have to trust God. And you're going to have to trust him every week. And when he sees that you're being faithful, he's going to start changing things for you. And because every time I come on YouTube and he lead me to pray, one of the biggest prayers is financial breakthrough. And I, I asked him, I just sat down like recently, I was like, God, why every time, I mean, it'd be prayers for healing and stuff like that, and it'd be testimonies. But I'd be like, God, why every time I come in there, it's financial problems? He said, because they won't sell. They won't sow. They keep making excuses. He said, look at the people who saw in your ministry. Aren't they blessed? I said, yes. He said, look at the people who used to give you 50 cents to a dollar, $5. What are they giving you now? I said, true. <laughs> he said, there's a couple in your ministry that has gotten thousands of dollars because of you. And what do they do? They come back and they give you something, don't they? He said, there's people who sow to you every week, every bi-weekly, and what do you see in them? I said, they grow tremendously. Some of them growing even bigger than me. Some of them even got their own house paid for or a mortgage, and I don't even have mine yet. He says, they don't sell. So he told me the next time I go on YouTube and start praying for people, and they start with that financial stuff, he said, tell them to sow a seed right then and there to your ministry and watch me work. He said, my people won't trust me. 
He said they won't trust me. And this causes eating in the dreams because Satan knows we're supposed to tie the sow. There shouldn't be a week that goes by that you don't tie the sow. I gave a, a, a word, I think it was it, uh, Pat was the first person I gave it to. Then I gave it on YouTube, the beginning of this sheet. No, last year. Well, God was like, we should not let a week go by without sowing a seed or a tithe. And then I said to him, I said, what about the people who get paid every two weeks? He said, tell them when they get paid, sow half of what they would, they would, they would they sow every two weeks and then sow the other half the following week. Because he said we should not let not one week go by without sowing a tie and a seed. A seed could be $3. A tip, you, you leave a waitress. Uh, $5 you give a homeless person. But he said we are to tithe every week. And even if you get paid monthly, every three weeks, biweekly, a lot of y'all remember this word. He said you are to take half of what you would give every two weeks and sow that one week and then sow the next week. And if you get paid monthly, he said you are to section out what you normally give monthly in the four different times which means, you know, once a week, because the enemy will attack you for every week that goes by that there's no seed or no tithe sown. And a lot of y'all remember I gave that word. And a lot of y'all changed, you know, a lot of y'all, you know, who was sowing every two weeks, once a month, whatever, y'all changed, you know. And me, I always knew that. I never let a week go by. Even when I didn't have that much money, even if I could only get $5, I would get $5 somewhere as a tithe and then $2 as the seed. Because I, I, I know the more you sow, the more you get. It's the honest to God truth. The more you sow, the more you get. The more you tithe, the more you reap. I'm a living witness of that, and many of you are. And many of you have told me it is because God brought me in your life and you have touched this fruitful ministry that God has made you fruitful. Some people have come into thousands of dollars and never even knew what it was like to come into thousands of dollars until they met this ministry. But God said many people who follow this ministry don't want to trust him through this ministry. So that's why they suffer. And every time I come on so he told me the next time you go on there, he said, you tell them to sow right now into the ministry. I said, okay, that's exactly what I'm going to do. See, people think because so many of these pastors is raking people, they think every time pastors, leaders open up their mouth for a seat, the first thing they think is, oh, they want money so they can travel or do this or buy that. No, when I tell you to sow a seat, it's because the Father told you because I don't do it that much. I don't even like doing it. He has to, like, literally push my butt to do it. Really, because I don't like to be, I don't like that. I, I always have this thing that I want people to sow because they want to. I don't want to have to tell you, thus saith the Lord. But if God says to say, thus saith the Lord, I have to do it, you know. And, and every time I come on there, I could open up my mouth and say this and say that. I don't. I just be like, you know what, Daddy, I'm just going to pray for him. I'm just going to pray you give him a breakthrough. And then a lot of them get financial breakthroughs and don't even come back and sow where they, where, 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 where they got the help from. So that's another thing. When you, wherever you eating from, I don't care if you eating from five different places, <laughs> for us church, word of God, you need to split your, your, your tithes and seeds among those places. Or if it's just one place, then that's where you sow your, your tithes. You, you can sow your seed wherever you want. If you want to sow your seed to that place as well as your tithe, you could do that. But wherever you eat at, wherever you get nourishment at, wherever you get fed the word of God at, wherever you're getting deliverance at, wherever you're getting breakthrough at, wherever you see blessings coming from, that's where your, your tithe should be going. 
at least. So the Lord just brought me to say that. Somebody needs to hear that. <laughs> now, take this test to check your spiritual nourishment. Ask yourself this. How much time do you spend in a week watching TV? And if you watch TV, are you watching something educational or are you watching garbage? How much time, just for men, do you watch sports or entertainment or reading the paper or a magazine or the books that's not biblical? How many spiritual books have you read this year? How much time did you spend on some hobbies or outside interests that may not be immoral that may that may not be immoral but is not necessary? How many hours did you spend studying your Bible this week? How many services did you attend in church or Bible studies or ministries you watched online or radios you radio ministries you heard or street ministries or conference? How many did you miss that you could have attended this this in the past. Which which do you nourish the best, your spirit or your body? Are you feeding your mind on God's word or are you feeding your mind with pleasure? Elohim children need regular nourishment from God's word to grow and to stop eating in the in their dreams. Um Okay, now, exercise and practice are essential to physical development. Me being an artist that I sing, sometimes I lack and don't take my, my music lessons. You know, like, like I just started taking music lessons again literally, literally um, last week, right? But I took that in a minute because, you, you know, you, you got to let your voice rest, you know? So I started back taking music lessons, and I'm going to be doing it you know, a couple of times out the week, you know, and then sometime I'll take a, some time off, you know, but you still, as an artist, you have to cultivate your voice. If you're a book writer, you know, and you want to keep writing books, you got to, you know, keep your mind cultivated. If you're a fiction writer, fantasy writer, or a nonfiction writer, you got to keep it. Me, it's easy for me to write I've written 140-something books so far. I think I think it's like 50 or something on Amazon and 15, 20 on Barnes, and the rest I have private. But I was able to write so many books like that in the eight, eight nine years that I've been writing books. It's because of all the knowledge that God gives me. I have so many teachers out there. All I have to do is just listen to my teachers and, and type it. You know, I, I have people that volunteer sometimes to type stuff. You know, my prophecy book that's online was based off of all the prophecies I used to put on my blog. And I had wrote a second prophecy book, too, but that was only supposed to be out for one year, and it was. And some of y'all got that. And I could turn around and write another prophecy book if I want to, but I'm not. So I have a lot of knowledge in me from God and from reading the Word. So this is why I'm able to continuously cultivate myself to write a book. Now, if I stop reading the Word, and not cultivate myself and God, then I won't be able to write books. And I know I'm going to write. I, I'm, I'm working on another book now as we speak, you know. And when I finish that, I'm sure in the future, next year, I'll be writing more books. Who knows when I'm going to start writing books. Before I leave this earth, I could have 300 books for all I know. You know what I mean? I don't know what guy. Every time I say I'm not writing books anymore, he come again. 
<laughs> Every time I'm saying, he has given me time off from books lately, the, you know, period, periodically, past two years, which he normally doesn't do that, but he's been doing that. But now I've been writing books so long, it comes so easy. I could finish finish a book in in a day, literally in a day. I've I've written books where I did it in a day and and didn't upload them for a month because I got so busy. You know, and it's easy to write a book in a day if you got all this knowledge out there already on your teachings. All you got to do is go listen to yourself or go back and look at your notes that you have typed and turn them into books. Please put your phone on mute, please. Uh, or you can write, you know, books on your life story, stuff you went through, books on your testimony, you know. Just ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. Now, um, developing skills require continual re- re- uh, repetition, like, um, if you sing like I said, if you are an artist and you draw, you're a book writer, um, you're an article writer, you know, if you're athletic, you lift weights, you want to continuously lose weight, you got to stay in the gym, all right? So, like when we were kids in school, we had to continuously practice our skills over and over again to get from one grade to another. That's how it is with God. You have to get from one level to another. But before you get to the next level, you must learn the skills and the the, um, assets of that uh, particular class in that that time, in that level. You need to learn that because what you learn from that will prepare you for the next level. So the same way we learn in school, God says that the earth is based off of heaven. So the same way we learn in school and go up the grades, it's the same way we learn in, in the spiritual realm and go up the levels. And then eventually we get to the 12th grade and we graduate. So when you get to a certain level with God, you, you, you graduate, and then he puts you in a higher level, and that's like going to college. And then you go to college, get your degrees, your master's, whatever, and then after that what happens? You get a job. So when God finished training in us, he puts us out there in the field to work. Why he's training you, you're working, but you're working part-time. When he finished training you, he puts you out to the field and you work. And you work to the day you, you leave this earth. Or till he retires you, because he will retire you and let you rest. So just like we as parents and our parents encouraged us to read, to spell the right, God's encouraging us to read his word, write his word, spell his word, Speak his word and teach his word. You don't have to be a leader to do all of that. When you fail a class in school, you stay back. Sometimes God could be ready to deliver somebody, and they're not ready. So he delays it. He sets it back. And then when they graduate, they come out of that class that they have to do over again, they learn valuable lessons. So then when God comes to, de- to deliver you, although he set you back and delayed you, you learn valuable lessons. So you'll never have to go back to that grade or that level again. Hebrews 5.14, those who are full age by reasons of use have their senses exercised, discern both good and evil. Growth requires exercise as well as nourishment. First Timothy four seven, exercise yourself toward godliness. Like children, athletics, musicians, artists, we must work again and again in applying Bible principles to become effective in God's work. Application, applying the application. Um, you must learn to teach. We must do it repeatedly, teach our children. 
do home study, Bible classes, preach sermons, evangelize again and again. Sometimes it could be taxing on you, you know, because I know I, I find myself having to repeat myself a lot because new people come to me constantly. And sometimes that gets taxing on me, and it gets warring, and it gets old. So God, you know, literally has to spice things up for me sometimes because I go to him and I'm like, Daddy, how many times am I going to have to teach this? I mean, they're just not getting it. I said, I'm like Joshua. I'm leading them to the water, showing them how to drink it, but they don't want to do right. <laughs> and then he told me, he said, you're going to always have to repeat things because new people are going to come to you constantly. And even some of the people who you've already taught it to, they hard head or they slow to learn. You're going to have, have patience and might have to teach them again. I said, well, then as long as you spice it up for me, I'm good. So, you know, preaching the word of God, ministering, evangelizing, we got to have a lot of patience. <laughs> we can't be like, you know, although, you know, the flesh will come out so tired because it does me. I'll be like, you know what, didn't I just tell you that really? Come on. Did I just not say that to you? What were you doing? Did you not listen to me? Are your eardrums filled with garbage? What is going on with you? Are you not paying me any mind? And they don't say nothing. <laughs> I know that might be a little hard, but sometimes you got to be like that with folks to make them listen. Now, to learn, like to learn to lead singing, you got to practice songs at home. You got to sing. You know, you could practice with your family so they could tell you how you sound. So you, so you can learn. If you're leading a church meeting, you got to study the notes. If you're doing Bible study leader, you got to study the Bible. You got to you got to decide what you're going to teach about. If you're preaching, you got to let the Holy Spirit lead you on what fire to preach. To understand the Bible, study it again and again. Talk to others. Drill yourself. Memorize it. Get in it and dig in. To learn to pray, do it over and over again. Children may not be good at activities at first, but parents encourage them to do it over and over. Likewise, older members must encourage the newer ones to use their talents. They may not be skilled at first, but they learn by doing. We need to encourage teachers, preachers, and song leaders, you know, and don't complain. Right? When you, when you, when you, when you see, like, you, you are old school prophet, right? And you see some new, new little little chick, chick, chicky, chicky come along. I'm talking about little chick, chick, chicken, little baby chick. That's what they call them, chicks, right? You see a little baby coming along, right? And you see they got some powerful gifts in them. But they don't know how to handle them. They got to be balanced. They prideful, pig-headed, big-headed. You try to assist them, but they don't allow you. So sometimes you have to back up and let pride hit them. Let the devil knock them down a few times, and they will come back to you. Or sometimes you see people with gifts, you get jealous. You be like, you know why? I ain't teaching them jack because they're going to try and surpass me. No one can surpass you or take anything from you unless God allows it. If he doesn't allow it, no one can surpass you or take anything from you. Everybody's not meant to be mega pastors, mega leaders, international. Some prophets aren't meant to be nation prophets. You have to learn what your lane is. And the only way to do that is to be vast in the Word of God. Because when you vast in the Word of God, he's teaching you, and he'll teach you what kind of prophet you are, what kind of preacher you are, what kind of evangelist you are. I mean, we all know apostles are all gifted with the prophetic and revelation. They're gifted with the fivefold ministry. That's a given. 
Anyone who's a true apostle, you got many people calling some apostles and apostles, but the ones who are true apostles, we already know the layers they carry. The ones who are true bishops, we already know the layers they carry. But when it comes to pastors, sometimes we don't always know the layers because pastors can be prophets. Evangelists could be prophets. Pastors could be singers. Evangelists could be singers. Ministers could be administrators or hostesses. See, we don't know what those all of those gifts and tells. But when you see a bishop, you instantly know the five layers. When you see an apostle, you instantly know that is fivefold ministry. But when it comes to the other giftings, we don't know the fullness of the gifting. But if you learn the word of God, you will be able to know the fullness of the gifting, and you will sense it, and God will tell you, and you will move yourself out the way and your jealousy or whatever it is you feel and help the person. Because when you go before the Messiah, he tells you, get from before me because I sent them to you. You didn't want to help them because of your pride and your jealousy, and they went back in the world, and I lost them. Get from before me. See, we have to get out of our own self. You know, it's, it's human. You know, that flesh will, will make you jealous in a heartbeat, and jealousy will also have you eaten in your dreams. We have to learn how to move out, move out of our own way, and we have to stop being scared that somebody's going to surpass us. You know how many people I've seen surpass me? People started after me or with me, and their channels have just blown up. Blown up. And then God be like, is that all you concerned with? Is, is, is the YouTubes and the, the Periscopes and the Facebook? What about your music? What about all them books? What about the radio show? What about the coaching? Do they have that, Rosalind? I'd be like, no. You know, I, back in the day when I said fuss about my channel, I'd be like, No. <laughs> So, so then what do you worry about the channel? And then, you, and then look at all the other stuff you're doing that don't nobody even know you're doing for me, that they will find out one day. Why are you concerned about these little, little you do? So what? They got 50,000 followers on YouTube. Look at what I've given you to do. Stop seeing what you want to see and see what I want to see. And once he said that to me, I stopped focusing on them. I don't even care about them. I haven't even been on Facebook Live and who knows how long or Periscope. It's not that I don't care about them because I care about the people who are following me, but I've gotten to the point where I'm not even, I'm not even like, really concerned about being on them. And I just go on YouTube because I figure everybody follows me on YouTube. You know, but then I learned a lot of people don't follow me on YouTube. They find me on Facebook and Periscope. So sometimes I will have to pay them attention. But, you know, once God told me that, I stopped focusing on all that media and started focusing on all the other stuff he gave me. And how did I come to that conclusion? Reading his word, there was just some scriptures I read and got me to talking to him. And that's how he came out with what he came out with. Sometimes when I read the word, I get prophecies right then and there. Sometimes in my sleep he gives me scriptures to read, or he'll tell me to prophesize this scripture. Like I got uh, Psalms right now he want me to put out there. Um, I'm, I'm going to put it out on Facebook and stuff like that. I didn't do it yet, that he gave me. So if I wasn't vasting the word, would I be having these things? No. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, I didn't dream. Yeah, because you're not reading the word. The, the, reading the word will deliver your dream life. It may take some time. You may have a battle ahead of you. But if you stand that word, it's going to deliver your dream life. It's going to deliver you. Time and patience. By definition, growth requires time, and it is progress and development as time passes. 
Now, don't expect to reach your goals overnight. Some goals come overnight, but something like this takes time. Children do not become full-grown instantaneously. In the spirit room, yeah, but in the natural, <clears throat> they don't. At birth, children are so small, you can hold them in a little basket. Soon they are outgrowing new clothes every month. They are outgrowing clothes. Eventually they can wear their parents' clothes or even larger, but it takes time. Sometimes children become impatient. They say, I can't wait till I'm 18 or 21. And then we say, take your time. It will come soon enough. Time passes, and sure enough, what they were waiting for has come and gone. And they're looking back wondering how the time passed so fast. We ourselves find that. All the time I'm like, where did the time go? I just told my, my, somebody in my family the other day, their new season came, and they know I don't do birthdays, but, you know, their new season came, and Daddy said I can say happy season. So um, they told me that they weren't going to call me the next day, that I had to call them. And I was like, why? And it was like, because it's my birthday. I was like, but you know I don't do birthdays, but mine. Then you say God said happy season. I was like, all right, whatever, right? So, <laughs> so I called, you know, one of my little chicks, and I'm singing. The happy season, I'm singing. And he's like, oh, mommy, you sound so good. That's the bad thing I heard. <laughs> you know, and I'm singing, I'm talking to him, and I'm preaching to him. And then I tell him, you should thank God that you made it to this day. You should be praising him. He's the first one you should be thinking that you made it to this day and you made it to this age. And they did. You know what I mean? So, and then I said, I said in the song that I was singing, I said, I remember when you were first born and you were a baby in my arms. And now look at you today. Where did the time go? And they started just laughing. It, it just tickled their heart, you know. So we find ourselves saying these things. Where did the time go? Heck, a month ago, like a month ago, I was like, it was September, right? I was like, Dad. How did September come this fast? It was just January. I'm like, where did January go? Time is going so fast. So time passes, and sure enough, what they were waiting for has come and gone, and they're looking back wondering how the time passed so fast. Likewise, spiritually, do not expect maturity to be overnight. James 1.4, to become perfect and mature, enter entire lacking nothing, we must have patience. So James wants for it to become perfect and mature entirely and to be lacking nothing, we must have patience. Some newborn again children want to know everything and do everything right away. They may not be willing to take the time to study, develop abilities that they want to be just like the mature members and want other members to treat them with the same respect that they do that that they do mature members. Before they have taken time to grow, sometimes older members are impatient with new members. We don't understand why new converts have trouble with some basic concepts, like I told you earlier. Then sometimes these new members <clears throat> explain, I never was really taught what the Bible said before. They have no background in the scriptures at all. And it takes time for them to grow. So remember that people who may be mature today did not get the way overnight. It took time of study and practice, and new converts will not become mature overnight. I can tell you the way I am in the Word today, <clears throat> when I first came to God, <laughs> all I knew was when I finally got right with God. I mean, I was in church all my life, and I knew different scriptures. 
you know, the main ones like John 1 or all of that, right? And I knew Psalms 93, Psalm 23, you know, I could tell you them, right? <laughs> but I did not know the Bible for Jack, man. I was sweet with the Bible. And I didn't know for Jack. I would just play it off. People like, you know, that's good. I'd play, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, lying my butt off, right? <clears throat> and I had to be fit for that. I didn't know the word. Who I am today was not who I was almost 10 years ago, by no means. And it took 10 years, almost 10 years, uh, next year we'll make, going on in the next couple of months, 10 years for me to get to where I am today. Did I think 10 years ago I'd be writing all these books, doing all the things that I'm doing? No. This all came from maturing in the Word of God, growing in the Word of God, going through all types of battles with the enemy, spending much time with God, being intimate with God, doing charity work, loving God, loving his people no matter what, going through ups and downs, not liking myself sometimes, not standing myself sometimes, trying to run away from myself, trying to run away from God, trying to run away from people. All of that spiritual growth is making me who I am today and who I'm becoming. And it's the same thing for you. So you look at your life with God growing up the same way you did growing up as a child. You look at your learning and your your promotions and your leveling up as you did when you were in college. And when you, I mean, in, in grammar school, high school, then college, then you graduate. Then you got to work. So it's going to get to a point where you're going to be out of training. You're going to be working for God. But while you're working, he's going to be like here and there. He'll pull you out for, for a minute, put you back in school just for a minute, and you'll still be working in the field, and then he'll put you back in the field. Because you know sometimes like being a doctor or being a nurse or being a teacher, there are times you are called to go back to short courses because new things come, new technology, new teaching equipment. You know, if you're a construction worker, new uh, equipment comes. If you're an engineer in communication, new stuff comes all the time. So you have to be reintegrated. You have to learn, again, to keep up with the commonality of things. So sometimes God will pull us back to learn certain things. And we still work, but we're learning certain things. And then he puts us back out in the field again because things change with God. It says he doesn't change, but things are ever-changing because he goes by the will of man. What you won't do, he will go somebody else and do. He might have went to another person to do something. They didn't want to do it. They didn't want to act right or they wasn't ready. He saw you was ready. So he came to you and gave it to you, but he got to train you. God gave this person the anointing to do this and do that, but they didn't do it. They didn't want to act right. So he will pour the anointing in you, but then got to train you how to do it. God don't wait for nobody, nor does time wait for anybody. Don't become discouraged by mistakes and rebuke. Children make many mistakes and most often be told they are wrong. How often does a child fall while learning to walk? They fall again and again, gathering bumps and bruises. They spill their milk. They don't hold their spoon properly. They spit their food out. They fall off their bikes. They come to bat in the bottom of the ninth inning, winning, winning the, the home run and scoring the position and striking out. Parents are continuously correcting, instructing, punishing, till we almost feel sorry for these children. Growing up is very tough. It's the same way with God. He does us the exact way. And growing up with God is tough. 
See, it's not God that's tough. It's the enemy that God is using that makes it tough. Likewise, new converts will make many mistakes and must often be told they are wrong. Some of the greatest Bible characters committed terrible errors and had to be rebuked. Moses made excuses when God called him to lead Israel out of bondage. God rebuked him but gave him Aaron because Moses was a scholar, but he, he stuttered. So God gave him Aaron to speak for him. David committed adultery with Bathsheba and was rebuked by Nathan and lost his child. Because if that child would have lived, the throne would have been defiled and contaminated. God couldn't have that. Peter denied Jesus three times when he said he wasn't, when he, when he said he wasn't going to do that. Paul prosecuted the Christians like nothing before he was converted. Thomas always doubted the Messiah until he was resurrected. All the apostles forsook Yeshua when he was arrested and crucified. Read Matthew 16, 21, 23. Shortly after that, he had to confess. Um, Yeshua, Jesus, and, then, and, and, and they highly praised him. That's Matthew 15, 18. Peter contracted Yeshua, Jesus, and was severely rebuked. Yet all of these are remembered as some of God's greatest servants. So what is God telling us? No matter how great, and I say this all the time, no matter how great you are in God, you will always have flaws. Like my song, I got a song. Yeah, like I told you, because you care. And uh, one of the one of the the lines in the song says, "I'm happy with my flaws. I'm perfect with my flaws." Because we all got flaws. We are perfect in God's eyes because we've come to to the to the Messiah, right? But we still have imperfections on this earth, and we aren't going to always be able to. Change our imperfections. So what we have to do is we have to learn. We have to learn. We have to ask God to help us to enhance our imperfections, to make them work for us, and to give Him the glory. Some things we pray and ask God to change about us, He will never change because it's a flaw that He wants you to have. Moses had anger. <laughs> God could have took it out of him any time, but He didn't. But when he got to the promised line, he told him, you ain't going in there. So obviously God didn't want Moses to step his foot on the promised land, so God let that anger stay in Moses. Moses stayed angry the whole time. God could have took it out of him at any time. So sometimes there's a purpose for certain things. So some things about you God may not want to change, and you praying for him to change it. And he like, no, why don't you just ask me how to enhance it, how to deal with it, how to make it better and perfect it for my glory. Some people you pray for, you asking God to change. God can't change nobody unless they want to change themselves. But it may be something that God don't even want to change in them that God wants them to perfect to use as a testimony to draw others. So you need to maybe change your prayer and be like, okay, God, I know you can't change the person. they got to have a will for you. And anything in them that you want them to keep, then they keep. Teach them how to perfect it to give you glory. But anything in them that you don't want in them, then remove it. And let them have the will for you to do it in Yeshua's name. Now, yet all of these are remembered as some of God's greatest servants, like I said. Great servants are not people who live without ever sinning but people who learn from their mistakes and go on to serve God, Yahweh, faithfully. Judas betrayed Yeshua and is remembered as a traitor. Peter denied Yeshua three times and is remembered as a great apostle. What's the difference? Judas, after betraying Yeshua, hung himself. Peter, after denying Yeshua, repented and went to work in preaching the gospel. That's the difference. 
Some wrong God, but won't repent because they don't think God will forgive them, and they lose their life. And some wrong God, and they repent, and they, be going, they become great in God. Proverbs 29.1, a person is destroyed not simply because he errs, but because he becomes stubborn when he is rebuilt and will not repent. What is needed is repentance and patience to learn to do right. Here's the conclusion of things. It is no shame to be a baby if you were born a few months ago in God. But if a person has been a child of God for seven years and has not grown not one iota, he or she has a problem. Everyone needs to grow as a Christian as an Elohim child, and everyone can grow if he or she simply applies the Bible principles of growth. Every year that go by, you should be grown up more. You should be a mature more. You should have gone up another level. When this year, 2019, leaves and 2020 comes, the first day of 2020, you should should be should have been promoted, matured, and grown. And the whole year 2020 should not look like anything of 2019. Should not look anything. It should be better. If you go into the following year and publish same issues, same problems, then your growth has been stunned. You have not grown. You have not matured until God allows you to stay where you are. And he will not let you come out of where you are until you grow up. Because how can he let a baby come out of a situation where they don't know how to handle the situation? You're going to hurt yourself or be killed. So he's going to leave you where you are until you can show him you can handle the next step. Sometimes people don't get delivered for that same purpose. God, like, I want to deliver you, but I see you're going to do this and do that. So I can't take that chance because I'm going to lose you. So I got to let you stay where you are. I know you're struggling. I know you, you're being demonized. I know you're hurting. I know you're being afflicted. I know you're dodging this and dodging that when you sleep. But I see what you're gonna ha- what's going to happen, and I don't want to lose you. So you got to stay this way until I see that you'll be able to handle your life when I deliver you. So those of you waiting on deliverance, you need to pray, Father, in the name of Yeshua Jesus, please help me to be mature enough to graduate and be promoted to the next level and to be able to balance myself and handle my life once this deliverance is over so that I can be lit, be delivered from these wicked spirits or these hierarchy spirits or whatever it is, sickness, illness, whatever it is, Father, show me, train me, teach me, mature me, take out all that is weakness in me and replace it with strength. And any weaknesses you want me to keep, help me to strengthen them. Show me how to be prepared. Show me how to graduate. Show me how to pass the exams. Show me how to pass this test with flying colors so that you can graduate me to the next level and free me and deliver me from whatever I'm dealing with, demons, sickness, poverty, job, whatever it is, or all of it, and my children and grandbabies so that I can teach them to do the same thing and family members in Yeshua's name. Because it doesn't matter how many Conferences you go to, how many churches you go to, how many deliverance places you go to. Ain't no demons being cast out of you. The imps may come out because a lot of these demons have imps, right? Imps or apps, A-M-P-S or E-M-P-S. Those are little demons. They don't got that much power, but they get all together. They're powerful. That's what usually comes out on most, 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 most deliverances. If the person is not ready to be delivered, God's not going to let that strong man or strong woman come out. But the imps will come out. The soldiers will come out but not the big one. 
and not the ones that's under the big ones, right? Because if he lets them out, you're not going to know how to handle it, and you're going to go right back, and he may lose you. You can have a mean temper. You can have a mean disposition about everything else is great about you, virtuous, loving, righteous, but you can have a bad temper, a bad disposition, a nasty mouth, dirty thoughts, and that could be the one thing that's stopping you or doubt or lack of faith, and that could be the one thing that's stopping you from deliverance. So the, the enemy is taking advantage of that and feeding you in your dreams. And the more he feeds you in your dreams, if you don't cancel it, the more deeper you're going to get back into bondage. So now, stay strong in the Lord. Be on God. Stand firm in the faith. Be men and women of courage. Be strong. That's 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen. It is not enough to grow steadily in your walk with God. You must endeavor to remain strong. Just like a mature man or woman can be force-feed um, force if he is weak, drained of power, this is the spiritual realm. No matter your spiritual maturity, when you become weak, you will be susceptible to satanic attacks of various forms, of including eating in your dreams. There are some things that can drain your spiritual strength. You will do well to avoid them. Prayerlessness. Not praying is the number one thing that will weaken the crap out of you, and the enemy will have his way. Prayer is a source of a spiritual strength in the, in the major medium through which the oil of God comes upon the head of men and women, and when you stop praying, power stops flowing in you, and you start dying spiritually to overcome prayerlessness I'm, I'm going to give you some steps. Also, if you pray and you don't read the word, the same thing can happen because the word is all you as well. If you read the Bible, especially in, um, uh, what is it, uh, Exodus, no, Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus, right? You read those three books, you will learn that God had a lot of them do a lot of uh, uh, sacrifices to him, food. I was like, Daddy, you like to eat. <laughs> Daddy liked meat, and he liked oil, and he liked bread. When y'all was on the earth, he liked meat and fish and, and bread and butter and honey. But if you read about God in those three, first three books, you'll learn God loved oil. He liked meat, especially lamb, and he liked bread. So in all of his sacrifices he wanted, they all had oil. That was the purpose for that. Why did all of his sacrifices have to have oil? Because God is full of anointing oil. So when you read the word of God, he's pouring oil in you. And when you're praying, he's pouring oil in you. So if you want to stop eating in your dreams, you better start praying better and praying more. And definitely reading the word of God. Repent of your sins every day. When you wake up in the morning, because you never know what you did in the night. And when you come home. Um, and you're not going back out, you should repent just before you go to bed. Just in case you got to argue with your husband, um, you saw something by mistake, or somebody was gossiping with you, or whatever. You know? So that's like three times a day. Or, or when you out in the street and you feel you need to repent, do it. You know? Break covenants with everything, you know, everybody you deal with, good or bad. You know, you just be like, God, all the good covenants I did today, I'm good with them. All the good soul ties, I'm good with them. But all the covenants that are not beneficial to me, that could cause demonic openings or soul ties, that I cut them. I separate myself from them. I renounce them with the blood of Yeshua. I terminate them by proxy of the blood of Yeshua, Jesus. Anybody I gave money to, I got to cut that covenant soul tie. If it was good, fine. If not, cut it. Store I went into, stuff I bought. People I gave the money to or a credit card to, whatever, they gave it back. 
You know, pray over everything you buy. You don't know who tries your clothes on. You don't know who foot going to shoes you buy. People so nasty, they try underwear. That's why I never like buying that underwear and hangers. I do sometimes, but I decided I'm going to start buying the underwear in the package. Because <laughs> this girl in the retail store told me women will try on the panties. Nasty. Just nasty. Try, I, I try and buy the bras in the package from now on, too, because they're trying the bras. People don't care. they nasty. So you have to pray. Over these things, because people have residue. This could cause you to have eating your dreams, too. So now, like I said, if there is a besetting sin in your life, give it up. Set out specific morning time when you, full, when you, when, when you are, you know, able to concentrate, uh, concentrate and have quiet time with God. If you get up in the morning at 5 o'clock to go to work, you should get up at um, maybe 4.20, You like apostle, really? Yeah, really. Spend some time with Daddy. And at least pray Psalms 91, 23 and read a chapter or a half a chapter. You could do this in 40 minutes. And then when you come home, you know, you could spend an hour or two with God. You know? Make a list of prayer points. Or buy you buy some of my prayer books or somebody else's prayer books, then you won't have to make a list of prayer points. Or if you want to make a list of prayer points, you can, right? And 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 the, and you and you could decide to say these prayer points every night, and then the following week you could say some new prayer points. Then you could go back to the old prayer points. Then you could switch again. But always have something, even if it's just three prayer points a night. Or if you can't do it every night. You know, after you spend time with God, do it at least three, four times a week. You know, you got to keep some type of spiritual warfare. You know, get a, get a prayer guide, you know, to help you when things are down in spiritual realm. Get a prayer corner, you know, or a prayer chair. <laughs> pray, your, pray, pray wherever you feel comfortable praying. You know, even if you want to go in a closet and pray, you could do that. You know, um, I pray all over my house, but I have a, a specific place where I pray every morning. But after the morning, I could pray anywhere in this house, <laughs> anywhere. Sometimes when I'm sitting in somebody else's car, they could be talking to me and I'm talking to God. I could be standing in the grocery store and I'm talking to God. I'd be like, Daddy, I haven't talked to you since, like, 10 o'clock this morning. And it's like 4 o'clock and I ain't even made it home yet. I'm sorry, Daddy. And I know you've been with me all day and just waiting for me to acknowledge you and say something. I'm sorry, Father. I'm sorry, Mommy Ru. I'm sorry, Mishua. And then I'll be like, I bless you for this day. I bless you that I made it to the supermarket. I bless you that I could buy these groceries. I bless you that I haven't had any issues today, Father, in Yeshua's name. And then when I come home, I bless him for letting me make it home. Somebody dropped me off. I bless him for letting them make that per- let that person get home. We have to acknowledge God. You don't have to just pray to him in the morning before you go to work and the night before you go to bed. You, you pray to him when your spirit is led to pray to him or when you just want to pray and just want to talk to daddy. You know, sometimes I'll be like, Daddy, I miss you. I've been gone all day, and I'm just getting home at 6 o'clock, and I haven't talked to you since 9 o'clock or 6 o'clock this morning. Daddy, I am missing you, and I know you're missing me, and I reach my arms up to the sky, and I say, Here, Daddy, group hug. Come on, Mama Rue. Come on, Yeshua. Group hug. 
And then I threw them kisses. And I said, I feel so much better, Daddy. And I know they're, like, just chuckling at me, like this girl. <laughs> I mean, these are little secrets that I don't tell people, and I'm telling you guys. So do it. You'll be amazed at what you get out of God. You'll be amazed. I mean, I can't tell you all my little secrets with God, but I can tell you that. And you'll be amazed. When I eat sometimes, I'm sitting down, I'm eating. I'm like, Daddy, I know you eating with me. I know you souping with me because the Bible says you always souping with me. So I know you're souping with me. So I thank you that I'm enjoying this food. I thank you that you blessed it with the blood, and I thank you for it in Yeshua's name, and I praise your name. And when I finish eating, I'll be like, Daddy, that was so good. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yes, I do. And these are the little things that they love. Mommy Ru Yeshua and Father love. And these little things will draw you so near to them, it is just it will just blow your mind. I had a quick vision the other day. I saw myself shooting pool. Now, mind you, I couldn't think of the word pool. <laughs> I woke up. I said, yeah, Daddy, I used to shoot pool. I totally forgot about that. I said, Daddy, no, I, I woke up. I said, yeah, Daddy, I used to do that. I said, but, Daddy, what, what you call it? <laughs> I couldn't think of the word pool. He purposely kept it from me. So he said, repent for doing that. Because, you know, it, it, we we do it for money. I was pretty good at pool. And we would do it for money, right? And uh, we used to go to, to this place. And I was like, Daddy, I see the place. We used to go up the stairs. You know, it was all white. We'd go in. It was all white. Pool tables everywhere. Other little games there. And I was like, Daddy, I, I see the place. He said, Billiard. Billard. B-I-L-L-A-R-D. I said, Billard? I said, Daddy, that's not what you call that thing you hit with the, the, the stick and the ball that goes in the hole. I said, Daddy, that's not what you call it. He said, it's a billard. <laughs> so I said, okay, Daddy, I'm going to Google this. I said, what is billiard? And it showed the pool table <laughs> with the dog on ball and stick. I said, Daddy, you too much. You too much. It was him telling me it was a billard. And I never, ever called pool a billard. I always called it the pool. Then he let me remember what, what I used to say after all of this was done. So this is how close God will get to you. He will talk to you just like he's your friend, like he's standing right there with you, which he is. You just, you know, can't see him physically. But you'll feel like he's, like, right there with you, like like he, you literally looking at your friend talking to him. That's how he will do you. When you start drawing near to him, he draws near to you. That's in the Bible. And, see, as we grew up, people teach us that we can't do these things for God, that God's so untouchable. But in Exodus 24, 26, it says the 70 elders and all of them suit with him and had dinner and talked with him, okay? So they, they teach you that you can't be intimate with God like this, but you can because it's all through the Bible. He's telling you that you can. And when you, and I, I'm a living witness. When you do these things for God, you will be amazed, amazed at how close he will come to you. He may not do you the way he do me. He does us all differently, but he, he may do you totally different. He may do you the same. I don't know. But you first have to draw nigher to him so that he could draw nigher to you because he's promising you in his word. Draw nigh to me. I will draw nigh to you. When I can't find a shoe I'm looking for or I can't find an outfit I want to wear, I say, Mama Holy Spirit, you said whatever I can't do, you'll do for me. Can you help me find my shoe? Pat will tell you. I can't find stuff in my own house. I'll be like, Pat, I can't find it. I pray, I find it. 
that's how close I am to them, and that's how you should be. So the next time you come in the house, lift your hands up to God and say, Daddy, I'm giving you and Mama Ru and Yeshua a group hug. And say, group hug, and then give him kisses and praise his name. Next time you eat, say, Daddy, I thank you you souping with me. And I thank you for this food, and I cover it with the blood. And when you finish, you tell him you appreciated it, and it was good. And thank him for you was able to cook it, buy it, make it. You'd be surprised what you will get out of our Father. He loves these things. I just cannot explain to you how much God loves us and how much in love he is with us and how he waits for us to just talk to him and to say these things to him. He's like a father. He's like a daddy, which he is. Like your daddy on the earth would sit there. My father, when I was little, he would sit there and watch me eat. When I was little, he would tell me I was so beautiful. And he would trick me into eating carrots, saying, you don't have big, beautiful eyes, which I do, glory to God. <laughs> so he told it, tell. I'm saying, he would talk to me about men. He would tell me, get a man to love you more than you love him. He'll never leave you. So the same way my father was to me, that's how my real father, my heavenly father is to me, but more. So the same way you women who were daddy's girls, you men who were, were, were daddy's boys, think about how he treated you as you came up and how he loved you. And and, 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 and and how he waited for you to come home or how he waited in his car anxiously for you to, to pick you up from school or how he just anxiously wanted to go and play uh, baseball with you. That's exactly how our father is today. That's how our father is today with us. So we have to start thinking of him like we do, like many people that have sweet fathers, but so that's okay. But you can imagine how a sweet father is. That is how our father is. And take full advantage of it. Take full advantage of our father's love. Take full advantage of Mother Ruth's love. Take full advantage of Yeshua's love. Trust me, you can never go wrong and take it. He wants you to take They want you to take advantage of their love. <laughs> and the power that they have. And the blessings that they want to give. So do it. Your life will change. Now, um, worry and anxiety. Class almost over. Worry, worry and anxiety. I thought I would finish this teaching. Hold on. Let me see how much I got left. I thought I would finish it. See, God be adding stuff in when I be teaching, y'all. That's the thing. I, I just thought I was. he was going to just let me go straight through this, but I see he didn't. <laughs> so one, two, three, four. I have five pages left because uh, I got something new to teach y'all. But, you know, I'm going to try and squeeze these five pages in tomorrow real quick, and then I'll teach y'all what I was going to teach you. So now worry is to be uneasy in the mind, to feel anxiety about something, to fret. Interestingly, it comes from an old English word that means to strangle. What? An appropriate deviation. Worry strangles our peace of mind and our enjoyment in life. So when you worry, you have anxiety, you're depressed, you're oppressed by the enemy, it strangles you. It puts a chokehold. That's the enemy's chokehold. You can't enjoy life. It's very hard. Like, you know, when I was dealing with all those different wicked spirits, and I know a lot of y'all got delivered from spirits and some of y'all are still delivering with them, it's very hard to have a peace of mind when you're dealing with something like that daily. Then you got to go to bed like that and, and, and deal with it. It's very hard 
to find a peace of mind of enjoyment. And that's why that demon is doing what it's de- doing to you because it doesn't want you to have a peace of mind. It doesn't want you to have enjoyment. But you and your inner self has to find a way to find peace of mind and enjoyment so that you won't lose your mind, so you won't have a mental breakdown, so you won't have a, a, a nervous condition, you won't collapse. You won't get so depressed you can't get out of it. You won't worry and have such anxiety you can't be delivered from it. You won't be so oppressed and stronghold you can't get out of it. And the way to do that is to stay in prayer with God and to stay intimate with God and to ask him for strength and courage, tenacity, strength, keep you going, put life force back in you, help give you happiness no matter matter how hard it is for you to, to, to get it, give you happiness, give you joy, give you motivation, give you um, morale. Because some people wake up and they have no morale. They don't want to, they don't want to do, it's not they don't want to do anything. They just don't have the morale. They don't, they don't have it in the mind. The mind is so tired. The mind doesn't even want to think about doing anything but just sitting, just resting, you know. And sometimes it's very hard to get yourself out of these things because I've gone through that. But you just have to hold on to God. And then there's some days that you're just going to have to just stay in the house if you don't have to work. You're just going to have to stay in the house because your mind is just so tired. You're just going to have to just stay in the house and just rest your mind. But if you work and when you're off, take some time, stay in the house some time, and just spend it with God and rest your mind because that will help you. Now, worry is the great plague of life both for believers and unbelievers. It crosses all educational, economic, and rational boundaries. When you worry, you lose your joy. Meanwhile, joy is a source of strength. That's in Nehemiah 8.10. Joy is a source of strength. This is why the devil, Lucifer and them, try to take our joy from us. Demons afflict you. Wicked people and wicked things afflict you because they know it's going to take your joy. If you're being afflicted constantly by a demon, Lucifer, a person, in a marriage, you will never find joy because you're too worried on that affliction. You're too worried on that pain. And you're praying to God, God, take this affliction. And God is like saying, ask me for joy. Because joy is a source of strength. So if you have joy, you have strength. If you have strength, you can be delivered from that affliction. Eventually that affliction will go because it's looking at you like you know what no matter how I jack up jack him up no matter what I do no matter what I do in their dreams no matter how much I try to come for them in the night no matter who I send they still got joy they going to have to give up cuz your joy is stripped it's going to wear them out that's why Satan get worn out they don't get just worn out from our uh battle prayers he get worn out from us praying and being intimate with God, being happy and finding joy. He's scratching his head and pulling his drawers up to crack his behind like, what in the world? How is that child got joy after what I just did to them the other day? I don't get it. Nehemiah 8.10. Now, as pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commandments. That's Psalms 119 and Psalms 143. Evil association. Ephraim he had mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake, not turnt. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. Ye gray hairs are here, and there upon him, yet he knoweth not. Hosea 7, verses 8 to 9. And I'm going to stop there, and I'll teach you the other five pages tomorrow. I've squeezed them in. But the other teacher, I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish that, because I have to finish this part that he said so. So I'll...
So you're going to get half of the other one. I'm sorry, guy. I'm just going to try and, like, pull the other one out in a nutshell. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Very sorry. All right. I'm actually writing a book on this stuff that I'm teaching you. I'm actually reading you this stuff from a, a Word doc, but um, it's going to be a whole bunch more in the book that I'm not even teaching you when it comes to eating. The book is probably going to be, like, 200-something pages. So you guys are getting first dibs at it. I mean, and you can still, and, and, and I'm giving you 15 days of prayers, but it's buku, way more prayers than you can ever imagine that's going to be in that book for us eating. So you guys are getting like 50% of the book, okay? And then when the book comes out eventually in like probably three or four weeks because, you know, I got other things I got to do, so it's going to take me a minute to get it out there, then you'll get the other 50% of the book, <laughs> all right? Because I wasn't going to even make this into a book. But when I started doing it, God was like, you know what? You should make this into a book. I said, another one? He said, yes, make it into a book, and it will be more affordable. I, I was like, well, my class was affordable, and they got a book in a CD. He said, make a book. <laughs> so I am. So um, it's way more teaching than this. I got five pages that I want to give you guys but uh, tomorrow, but it's way more than this. It will be in a book, and I'm going to email everybody the 15 prayers tonight. After this, if you don't get it, email me in the morning. I'll mail it to you. But it's way more prayers than that. It's even scriptures that can help you with eating in your dreams and other things that are put in the book. So the book's probably going to be like 200 and something pages. All right? So um, I pray that uh, everybody got deliverance uh, from this class tonight. I pray. And um, you will probably see some things tonight in your dreams um, and in the next seven days because of this. And uh, when I send you out the uh, the prayers, which I'm sending this group of prayers. Oh, wait, somebody emails not right. Who email got that in there? Okay, I just have to do it when we get off of checking. But I'm going to be sending them out tonight, so if you don't get them, just email me and I'll get it in the mor- get it to you in the morning, okay? So uh, God bless everybody, and I-, I hope everybody had a good Sabbath. And uh, go check out my video so you can hear what I what I'm going through, so that way you can pray for me, <laughs> all right? And uh, much love to everybody. And I think the witch hung up because I heard something when I had said that prayer. But just in case you didn't hang up, you got stuff coming for you, so you better repent quick. All right, um, love everybody who's in the Lord. Um, <clears throat> shalom. Shalom. Okay, I'm not the recording. Shalom. Shalom.